Welcome to the Melrose Place podcast, where we rewatch, recap, and analyze every single episode of the hit 90s TV series Melrose Place. I'm Jenny Hill. And I am Dan Hill. Let's get started. Episode 17, They Shoot Mothers, Don't They? Air date January 16th, 1995. Wow, what an episode. Dude, what a long episode. This was the mid-season finale. It was long as shit. We sat down not knowing this. God damn it. We kept saying credits and credits, and yeah. they never came. It was so many times it could have ended this thing, and it just went. It was good. But not to say we were disappointed because, you know, we got a full fair share of Melrose Place in. Yeah, ton of Melrose. We have to just remember, when we get to, like, episode 16 of any season, it's probably going to be a long, longy. Little mid-season finale. But damn. Yeah, and uh, so we kick it off. Joe storms into Shooters like she's never been there before. And she's like, Jake? Jake? Jake, where are you? (laughs) Jake could be like one of two places in Shooters, behind the bar or behind the bar. Well, she's very frantic because if you'll remember, the very last episode at ended with her running behind the car where the nanny had stolen her baby Austin. Yeah. And so, she's, she's like talking to people, "Do you know where Jake is?" And like Jake comes out of the bathroom. It's like, "What? What's up?" <laughs> and she's in a conundrum. She wants to call the police, but she can't because she did declare that the baby died. Right. So, she's in a pickle. And then, you know, they're they're going through it. She like Joe's like Jenny was saying, Joe's like tossing and turning with whether or not she should call the cops. And then Jake is like, Look, she went out of her way to do it like this. And then Joe starts putting it like like someone became your nanny, like attempted to like friend you for one day. Yeah. Like auditioned to be your nanny, became your nanny. And then took your baby. So, like, he's trying to tell her, like, look, this was planned. They didn't want any baby. They wanted Austin. Right. And then she starts, like, oh, it's Kimberly, I think. Like, of course it's Kimberly. She took your baby at first. Right. She's taking your baby again. Or she's involved. So her next move is to go to the hospital where Kimberly is holding court with other doctors. They're laughing and talking. And then, of course, Joe storms in. And again, I don't know how Joe has access to the hospital in the way that she does. Public hospital. Where people can just come in and just start making demands on people. Amanda runs that place. She just goes (laughs) later in the episode. She just walks into like Matt's office. 
or like something, you know? Yeah. So get in there. Just like mid talking with this group of other doctors, Joe walks up on Kimberly and is like, I know you took him, you crazy bitch. I will die before I let you take him away from me again. Damn. Intense. Now, this is intense. Kimberly is so good, though. Like, she does not, she's not phased at all. She turns back to her group of doctors and makes a joke by saying, Don't you wish they would move the psych ward to the fourth floor? <laughs> oh, excuse me, won't you? And she takes Joe aside. And this is when they have the little conversation where Joe, of course, is accusing Kimberly of being behind the nanny snatcher plan. But we learn Kimberly had nothing to do with it. Yeah, she's like, I did not have anything to do with taking your baby. But I Again. <laughs> again. But I did place a call to the Carters recently. I just felt it was my civic duty that they should know that their grandchild was alive. So Joe looks at her in disbelief and says, How could you do that to me? And I don't know why, Joe, you would even ask that question. This is the woman that convinced you to give birth in a non-sterile environment at her beach house. With Maria. took your baby away from you. Like, I wouldn't put anything past her. She's capable of anything at this point. So Joe's pissed. She winds up, gives her the wicked right hook. And does a damn near 360 <laughs> spin. She Just lays Kimberly clocks out, her, clocks her in her the up. face, right in the face. She's down on the floor. Joe storms out of the hospital. And what I thought was interesting is all like 19 doctors descend on Kimberly to see if she's okay. okay. Drops her. But nobody goes after Joe. The cops aren't called. I mean, you walk into somebody's place of work, start screaming obscenities at them, and then end by knocking them out. Citizen's arrest. There's no recourse there? Someone's, there's... Weird. You know, there's got to be security at this hospital. Cops are in there. They're bringing in people. They're not doing a good job. They're not doing a good job at all. But yeah, Joe just waltzes in, assaults someone, waltzes out. And not to say that she wasn't justified in her actions. I think we can all agree, you take somebody's baby, you you deserve to be punched in the face. Yeah, you can punch people who have been involved. So now we have the opening credits, and we're off on this five and a half hour journey. (laughs) We open by some really fun stock shots of Hollywood. We get the Hollywood sign. The 101. A couple high rises in downtown. More stock runner footage. Oh, your favorite where the runner is running on the side of the grass and avoiding the sidewalk. Yeah. And then there's like an unleashed dog in a park. Uh, And then... We, we cut to Peter, and he's just, like, rolling around in his bed. With Caitlin. With Caitlin. Yeah. They're just, like, doing, like, barrel rolls in there. <laughs> it's a lot of wrestling. <laughs> a lot of so, sheets wrestling. Peter's like, I got to go to work, and he wants to get into the office before Mancini because he's like, Mancini's on my balls right now. I can't really shake him. And then um, Caitlin wants to be put in the driver's seat of D&D. Right, so that's when Peter reminds her that when Amanda signed on as the president, she did sign a three-year contract, but 
Caitlin is so conniving, she has a plan that's going to get her out of that contract, and Peter is very confident that she'll be able to execute this. Do you believe that they're, like, together and madly in love? No. I don't either. This is something, a note that I have for, like, the very end. I, there's no chemistry. No, they just, like, are, like, ravenous for sex with each other. Yeah, but it, it's not, it. you know, there are some characters that I think we could kind of get the chemistry on screen, like Joe and Jake, for instance. Mm-hmm. When they have a love scene, it's believable. I feel like these two characters are so, they they don't seem to have anything in common. They don't see, like, it just doesn't make sense no. to me. And you saw Peter's bed. Told you, didn't it look inflatable? No. <laughs> I know pose. what you're talking about. It's the headboard. The headboard. It's like the headboard is fabric and it has some batting behind it to give it like that overstuffed kind of a look. But the material looks almost plastic. Yeah, it looks like a floaty device in a pool. <laughs> I just couldn't get past the black sheets. Like, what's up with that? They're navy. They're like navy. No, I think they're black. Mm. I think they're naming. Okay. Now we head over to Melrose Place, where um, we see Amanda knocking on Sydney's door. Sydney opens it, and she's like, oh, oh, my God. I'm sorry. You haven't gotten the rent. Don't worry. I will get it to you. Don't worry. I will get the check. And then Amanda's like, tear that shit up. Well, yeah, that's great, because when you do pay me, it's actually going to be for a different amount. You see, I did get my rent increase approved by the city, and your rent's going up $200 more per month. You can't do that, Amanda. That is illegal. Yeah. Uh, you need to give written notice of a rent increase and allow... At least 30 days At least in 30 yeah, at least 30. And she says that everything's all like well and good and she got the approval, but $200 more per month? That's a lot. Even Sydney's like, what? Is it going to be 5, 10%? What is it? Oh, no, 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 honey. $200 more. Because you've been under, she was like, these, these places have been undervalued. Okay. Yeah, because fucking sludge pours out of the <laughs> goddamn sink. <laughs> And you got peeping you supers. Have no landscaping whatsoever. Yeah. Jake's Jake's shower's hot and cold. See, and you've got to assume that these were accurate prices for 95-ish. So we're what? This is 25 years later? More? Yeah. Somewhere in that neighborhood. I would venture to guess that a one-bedroom apartment in the Melrose area would go for anywhere from eighteen hundred to twenty five hundred dollars per month. Mm-hmm. Now, and it's, and, and she was paying eight hundred. She a was month. paying six hundred, and now it's up to eight. And she's like, eight hundred dollars. It just goes to show you, like that, like tripled. That's the in price. That was the times. It's a nineties moment. Six hundred dollar rent. If our wear was six hundred dollars, oh my god! Oh my god, we'd be rich. That'd be amazing. But yeah, so Sydney is, she's basically like, "Fuck, I gotta move out because I cannot afford this." And Amanda is super stoked. She's just like, "Okay, well, if you can, I just need thirty days' notice and uh, pack your bags, honey. See yeah. you later." <laughs> it's fucking messed up. Amanda's a bitch. <laughs> 
so ha- has our rent ever increased 200? Oh, no. We're, when we lived in Van Nuys, we did get incremental, like, I think it was 5%. Yeah. After the four years that we lived there and they wouldn't continue to honor the same yeah. rent over and over again. But guys, if you if you rent places and they try to raise the rent on you, talk to talk to your landlord, talk to the property manager and be like, Hey, I'll re sign another like two year lease if you keep my rent where it's at. And then sometimes they'll do it. We've sometimes, done that trick a lot. Sometimes actually. they won't. Sometimes <laughs> they won't. So the next scene is at D&D where Caitlin is in Amanda's office and she's been doing her efficiency research and she has found that if they went with a different insurance carrier that they could be saving upwards of $40,000 per year. Mm. So Mm. Amanda likes the sound of this. She loves it. There's one tiny detail. Drug testing. Right. So everything would remain the same. The policies won't change for the employees, but everybody at D&D that's covered under the health insurance would need to get monthly or yearly or some kind of drug testing. And Amanda's like, you know what? I'm completely fine with that. We had a big issue with one of our employees being an alcoholic. And if we can weed out those troublemakers, then so be it. Let's sign on. Like, what does Amanda think? That like her st- whole staff is on drugs now, just because Allison had a couple f- too much cocktails <laughs> and got a DUI on Thanksgiving, and she hit a child <laughs> on a bike. <laughs> uh, so that's gonna happen. We've got drug testing coming up. Amanda's on board. We head over to Mancini Designs. And hi, Jane. We finally get to see some Jane. Yeah, which I'm so glad that they're acknowledging that she's in some sort of financial turmoil. Episodes and episodes ago, we learned that Chris Marchette's check of $500,000 never went through, which would have been like devastating to a small business, almost to the point where... You're done. You yeah. cannot operate that, anymore. That's lemonade stand territory. Yeah. <laughs> so this is the first inkling that we get that there is some sort of financial trouble. Mm-hmm. She's on the phone. She's talking to probably some kind of creditor or somebody asking for an extension and apologizing that she can't pay on time when she gets a visitor. Mm-hmm. And it's her sister, Sydney. And Sydney, she has a history of doing this. Whenever she's in trouble, she goes to Big Sis. No matter what. And she's like, Jane, we got to move in together. You scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. Our rent will be cheap. They're raising their rent at Melrose Place. I mean, I don't know how we're going to both afford it. And we can only assume that the trip back to Chicago went well. Because yeah. they were almost on non-speaking terms before Christmas. And Jane's like, um, fuck that noise. <laughs> you need to find yourself a roommate. But it doesn't make sense because, yeah, they're cool now. So I would assume that Jane would be like, yeah, sure, whatever. No, Dan. Not after all the... I mean, come on. You can be cool with somebody and be like, you know what? Let bygones be bygones. We're going to try yeah. to repair a relationship. But moving in with someone is a whole new ball game. We can't live together. Yeah. But, I mean, I don't know. 
So you're right. Jane brings up the possibility that, hey, maybe you should find yourself a roommate. And that kind of like light bulbs for Sydney. And she thinks, okay, maybe that is the way I've got to go with this. And Sydney ran the hottest prostitution ring in Southern California. She didn't think that maybe she could like put out an ad for a roommate. It's like the the level of of intelligence from episode to episode on every character is like it it's it's so wavering. Well, there's something to be said that you could have street smarts but not really have like common sense. Yeah, I guess so. So let's go to D&D. They're switching health insurance. Amanda has rallied the troops. She's telling everybody at the office that they're switching their insurance carriers and informing everyone that they are going to be expected to take a drug test. And if anybody shows up that they had any kind of illegal drugs in their system, that is grounds for immediate termination. And of course, Allison being the self-centered person that she is, automatically thinks that this is all about her. And one thing I kept thinking about, well, during Allison's whole, like, oh, she's doing this just to get me. Alcohol isn't illegal. Like, if you have alcohol in your system, you're not in trouble. Yeah, you can drink. You're, that's illegal in the United (laughs) States. Like, that's not illegal. So she's kind of lamenting to Billy about this. Billy asks, hey, do you want to grab a bite together? This is... You want to grab a bite? (laughs) Billy, for the third episode, no one wants to eat with you. Let's play by ear. Yeah. (laughs) Billy, no. No one's eating with you. So she kind of rebuffs him, but Billy does confide in her that he did see... Caitlin and Peter together and this, in the biblical sense. This pissed me off because he's like, I have a secret to tell you. I can't tell you around anyone. Let's have lunch. No. Okay, I'll tell okay, you. Okay, well, guess what? <laughs> you know that Amanda, who was a couple feet away from me in the same meeting room, I'm going to talk about her right now. Stupid. Well, Together in the biblical sense. (laughs) What does that mean in the biblical sense? Yeah, it means like they had sex. Is there a lot of sex in the Bible? Well, when people say they were together in the biblical sense, that is what they mean. So if I went up to somebody and I was like, let's get biblical, would they be like, what? (laughs) Would they be like, let's get biblical, biblical. biblical. I want to get biblical. Let me hear your bibbly talk. <laughs> Let me hear your bibbly talk. Yeah. But so I don't get it. Like, I get it. It means like sex. But why biblical? Damn, that's why we have to make a new podcast called the Idiom Podcast, where we uncover the f- truth behind India- idioms. This would be one of them. Together in the bibli. Why not the sexual sex? <laughs> There is probably some explanation as to where that saying came from. And this this isn't the last of Billy's weird sayings. He says something else weird later in the episode. <laughs> well, Allison understands what he's trying to convey. Oh, are they like minks? Did you say? Down the road. We'll They're get going to it. at it like minks. They're going at it like minks. What fucking animal is that, Billy? 
It's the same animal that Amanda has a beautiful fur coat from Peter. Oh my god. It was a mink coat. Mm. They're going at it like minks in March. <laughs> Shut up. Come okay. Up with regular sayings. So Allison gives him the advice that he should probably stay out of it. She has kind of inserted herself into Amanda's um, dramas in the past, and it's always Mm -hmm. come back to bite her in the butt. So she says, don't say anything to her. Stay out of it. It's none of your business. It'll all work itself out. I got four letters. C-H-A-Z. Chaz, Chaz, Chaz. You wish, Allison, you wish you stayed out of that. You wish you stayed out and of that moment. you know what? I, I have to agree. Like, Chaz, um, Chaz. <laughs> Amanda always. Chaz hands. <laughs> Chaz got hands for days. Uh, Amanda always seems to take any time you want to help her and like spin it around on you. And I think there are many instances of her doing that in the past. I think that is sage advice. But Billy, I mean, I can't believe. <laughs> if you can see Dan, he's doing a lot of choreography right I'm now. Doing like a lot of hands crossing in front of my face. <laughs> These are my Chaz hands. Okay. <laughs> so Oh, okay. The other thing that happens in this conversation is that Oh yeah, fucking Terry comes to pick her up from oh. the conference room. So they're still all in the conference room I following really, this meeting. I disliked this scene. And Terry like shows up in the conference room like, hey Allison, you're ready to go get something for lunch? He walks straight into the meeting space. Like, whoever they're paying at the front desk, again, is not doing a good job. Because people can just waltz into there, too. Always. There's people in Amanda's office every day. Yeah, I agree. There's folks that just come straight into your work area, to your workstation, and they bring you out. Um, But, yeah, and Allison even says, like, to Terry, like, I'll meet you out front. Yeah, like, go ahead and wait for me. And, of course, Billy is like... Oh, well, that's convenient. Terry's here to take you out to lunch. And she's like, yeah, we're recovering. Terry is a friend from AA, okay? We try to support each other. You can't understand it unless you've been through it. Right, because me and Terry are like a mirror. (laughs) We see each other in each other. We don't even have to talk. (laughs) We know what we're saying. We're, we, you know how many dishes we've washed together? (laughs) Huh? Huh? We were in a slave labor camp. (laughs) Run by Terry and his twin brother. Jerry Oaks. For 28 straight days. You don't even know. That's longer than insanity. (laughs) That is longer than P90X. Wait, no, it isn't. It's 90 days. I thought they were in there for 30. No, they were there for 28. 28. Yeah, it was February. Okay, so... Billy, so Billy's jealous of AA. And now we go to the beach house where Kimberly is not given the time of day at right. all. Right, so she's kind of going over what happened to her. She got punched in the face at work. She has, like, a bruise 
on her face. It's pretty noticeable. And Michael is like totally he ignoring give her. He is is has other things on his mind. She's like, I was hit in the face today after all. And then Michael's just talking about how rich Peter is. Right. And he thinks that they should be living better. That Peter is rich for even doctor standards. And he has a little, uh, some dirt on him. He's found out that Peter is taking some kickbacks from medical research projects. And they need a cut of that. And then Kimberly is getting like super turned on by by Michael's deviousness. And what really puts it over the top is that. He has a golf appointment with Peter mm. the next day. And she's like, I love it when you exploit your resources, baby. <laughs> Fuck me. And then they go at it. Yeah. Now, Peter is kissing on Amanda, and she says she wants to go to sleep and that she's tired. And Peter immediately jumps the gun. He's like, well, I got to get you on some pills, girl. Right. So as soon as No one turns down my kiss. I'm tired. Oh my gosh, you feel hot. Oh, your glands are swollen. You're getting that bug that's going around. You know what? I have medicine right here with me. It's a round of antibiotics. I want you to start taking it right now. Right now. Take this. Any girl who doesn't want to make out and bang me has got to be ill. And, you know, they set it up. I'm buying what they're selling. I was immediately like, oh, she's failing that drug test. Oh, doy. Straight up. Yeah. So he's like, if it sounds like I'm being bossy, it's because I really care about you, Amanda. Now take all of these pills and go to sleep. Here, just take and, every pill. And just, you know, guzzle them down with uh, this big glass of wine. Yep. Don't even, don't read what's on the bottle. Just take these. These are good. <laughs> take these. These are great. These will help. Bye. Now, Joe... She's packing. Dan, can I ask you, have you ever packed a suitcase in, like, your dining room? Mm, nope. I don't think I have either. Always in the bed. Yeah, always in your room with I, your clothes. I pack where the things I want to pack are. I, I found this to be really strange. She has her, I think it's her dining room table. She's got her suitcase up and she's like putting her stuff in and then she goes for her gun. I thought I thought she got rid of that gun like three times. I did too. <laughs> I know Jake has said get rid of it. Um, so she's going to take matters into her own hands. She borrows Matt. She borrowed Matt's car and Jake is like, what? Is this? I'm gonna get my baby back by any means necessary, Jake. He says, I hate guns. And he says, Leave this at home and take me instead. All you need is me. You guys, Jake Hansen is a gun. <laughs> he is the equivalent of a gun. That's what he's inferring. And Joe agrees. Yeah. She's like, you know what? You're right. Yeah. You know what? I don't need this I'm thing. Put this gun away and you are going to be my human gun. Jake is a, a lethal assassin. He's done this sort of thing a lot. <laughs> so they've decided they're going to track down the Carters and get the baby back. Here's my question. What does Jake hate more? Guns, money, or jobs? In this order? Money. Or, or free sex. Money, jobs, <laughs> guns, sex. Free sex. 
like free sex with hot girls that love him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's so how he, I would order so it. So he hates money the most. Definitely. Jobs second. Because <laughs> jobs is like jobs. You can make money off of jobs, but... That's yeah. like, they go hand in hand, but like my, if you try to give him money, he's like, no, I don't take no, handouts. Absolutely not. So jobs that are arranged by others. Mm-hmm. And then guns, because. He really hates guns, like, though. They're, maybe that's going to be a storyline. Maybe he was like in some kind of like involved in a shooting or when something. When I was a child, I had to sleep on a bed of guns. <laughs> <laughs> and then women throwing themselves. If he's not feeling it, if he's not into it, Mm-mm. he's not going to take it that way. Nope. He's not going to go there. So you're saying Jake hates money first, then jobs, then guns, then sex with girls who really want to. Yeah. Okay. I, I guess I believe, with, I, I believe that. Next up, we are at the tea time with Peter and Michael. Michael's laying out his terms that he'll go he'll go to he'll go to the board if Peter doesn't accept them. And Peter's just like, <laughs> you honestly think that you're going to strong arm me into taking you under my wing, Michael? <laughs> and why does Michael Michael like desperately wants to do surgeries? I, I He's like, I need every surgery. If someone is in there and needs Whatever. I have I'm noticed that too. Why does he want it because so you know bad? What? A lot of, and I'm not saying this as a dig at doctors. I have the utmost respect for people in the medical field, especially people that are smart enough and brave enough to perform surgeries because at the sight of blood, I think I would just vomit and pass out. Um, but a lot of people say that doctors and especially surgeons are psychopaths. Really? Because it's all about control. It's all about playing God. It's all about having the ultimate control over somebody's life and knowing I am the only one that can save them. Hmm. Now, again, this is like something that I've heard. I don't have like actual things to back it up. So it could just be a rumor. But I don't know. I think that could kind of play into his psyche and his character of we do know that he's very self-centered. He's very narcissistic. And it might play into his ego to say, like, I am the savior. Mm -hmm. Well, I think with doctors, and this goes with anybody, goes for anybody that does something a lot. If you do one thing so much the other things in your life are going to not be as good or strong. You know what I mean? Like, if I'm always playing video games, I'm going to be great at video games. But other things in my life are going to fall to the wayside. Like you're going to be a shitty husband. Yeah. I'm going to be a shitty husband. Probably won't work out enough. Probably not a good dad. Yeah, probably a bad dad. Probably um, not good at social skills. Because all I'm doing is playing video games, but I'm great at video games. So, but doctors, doctors have to have been in you know tons of schooling, tons of hours, uh, you know, in residency, all this stuff. So maybe not psychopath, but maybe they're just lacking in other psychological error areas of their their life. Maybe I think you can be good at your job and still be fulfilled in other facets of your life. Yeah. 
But uh, I don't know. I But I do agree with you that especially in the last few episodes, there seems to be this desire. Like, I need more. He has to be in the surgeries. He has to be get all of the ones that he can. I'd be cool like being that doctor who's just like always, I'm on call, but like. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in I'm the break not. room. <laughs> I'm in the break room playing Switch. That's kind of, yeah, You're. that's why you're probably not a doctor. Yeah. I always say you spent six and a half years in school, but you didn't come up with a doctorate. <laughs> nope. Sure didn't. Uh, so we see, which was funny, I thought that, um, Peter makes his swing and has a great shot at his golf. Mm-hmm. Like, he does a, an, an awesome shot. And then... An he, awesome shot at golf. <laughs> <laughs> you watch a lot of golf. Yeah, so. I'm like totally like Tiger Woods PGA fiend. Yeah. So then Mike, it's Michael's turn, and he kind of goes up to, to to get goes up to bat, goes like, up to swing or whatever you say when you're gonna like hit a ball somewhere in golf. And Peter is like, "Well, Michael, I think we can work something out for your demands." I do have uh, somebody that is looking to do a new research project, and I think you could co-author it under my supervision, of course, but I think we can cut you in here. And Michael's like, oh, sweet. And then he makes his shot, and he sucks really bad. (laughs) Yeah, terrible form. He's being outplayed by Peter. And now Amanda goes to the hospital... To pick up her meds. Yeah, so... Who picks up meds at the (laughs) ER? So she goes to the front desk of the hospital and says, oh, and asks for Peter. Go to a pharmacy. Well, Peter didn't call it into the pharmacy. He has it there waiting at the hospital. And the nurse is like, oh, you must be Amanda Woodward. Yes, of course, Peter left this prescription here for you. And while at the desk, Kimberly comes up to her because she's working her shift. And they start chatting. And she says, oh, well, you know, our two guys are out playing golf together. And Kimberly offers to have them over for dinner since the boys are so friendly. Now, this is news to Amanda. Of course, she can't let it let it on that like that that she doesn't know about this golf date because if you'll remember, Peter's always complaining about Michael and saying, "How dare you talk me into rehiring him?" So this is her first hint that maybe Peter isn't telling her the whole story. Well, I I saw it as her putting it together that Michael is in on it, is withholding information from her because she had basically commissioned Michael to dig dig in the dirt. Yeah, I think that that can be inferred as well. Mm -hmm. So she pretends like she knows all about it and says, yes, great, let's schedule it. Ha, ha, ha. And then makes a beeline for Matt's office. Right. Because, again, she knows where everybody works at the hospital. So she busts in on Matt. And Matt immediately like sees her and he's like, Amanda, the rent's due next week. So why don't are you worry here? About it. And by the way, the rent increase is totally uncool. Why are you doing that? And it's hilarious that that Amanda can come to somebody's work and open up a door and and Matt immediately thinks it's about rent. Like that's the type of person 
that Amanda is. Yeah. That she would come to your work and shake you down for rent money. But she would come to your work and demand a favor out of you. And that's yeah. what she does. She says, I'm not here for rent. I need you to do a favor for me. And Matt's pretty much like, what makes no. you think I want to help you? Yeah, I'm so glad that Matt took this stance. Because if he didn't, I would have been like, man, this is total bullshit. Yeah. Like, they. He has no skin in the game. Why would he want to help her at all? So she explains that she has a reason to believe that Peter is getting kickbacks from these Research grant companies and he's getting these grants and they're totally below board and he and she thinks that Michael has something to do with it because Michael's reported back to her that everything's on the up and up but she really can't trust the type of person Michael is Mm -hmm. now Matt of course agrees with this and says you know I wouldn't put it past Michael to do something like that but what's in it for me Amanda why should I help you and Amanda's like hey I'll, 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 not everybody's rent has to go up. Yeah. Let's uh, just say if you help me, maybe some people's rent could stay the same. Here's the name of the company. See what you can find out. And how can, guys, what the fuck does Matt do? <laughs> what does he do? Like one day he's a social worker. Next day he's like saying what he's patient's like- <laughs> treatment should be. <laughs> Then the next day he's, he's like reading lab results. Yeah. Then he's in like he's in the patient's room like everything's going to be okay. <laughs> like, who the fuck are you, man? We have a very close friend that works in administration at a hospital. And I don't think she's ever had interaction with the patients like that. Like ever. No. And he'll like roll you into the ER like with the EMTs. <laughs> It'll be Matt there. He like It'll be meets all, them like, at the front door like, Stat! <laughs> yeah, like somebody's fucking like... He's like running with the gurney like, quick! Like calling out codes to doctors yeah, and stuff. Like administering the air like for, for their <laughs> The face. compressions and stuff. What does this man do? He's a jack of all trades. He sets thing. up rehab. He got, <laughs> he got Michael into the dope rehab and not the freaking sweatshop rehab and with the dogs barking. everything about AIDS. Remember the dog rehab? (laughs) (laughs) It was like a World War II, like, (laughs) hospital tent. (laughs) People were like, oh, I'm dying. (laughs) And Matt's like, let's get you out of here. I know how to to get you in the good good spot. How, Matt? How? And yeah, he knows everything about AIDS. (laughs) Okay. So we're with Joe and Jake now, and they are on their road trip to go up north to find the Carters. They've stopped for some food at a diner. Jake's eating everything. And Joe refuses to eat. And Jake's like, you need your strength. Eat something. Like they're preparing for battle. (laughs) And And she's like, I'm not hungry, Jake. I can't. And then Jake takes like a huge bite. And like he's like, I'm going to go pay the check. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like Jake is really He's like carbo loaded <laughs> He's up And then at the bars Like at the diner they have like a little coffee bar And a woman stands up And picks up a baby And this woman looks Very similar to Emily what's her name Emily Emily Poppins <laughs> <laughs> 
family with the children. The children. <laughs> the Lord and Lady Collins. The children. nanny. So she stands up and she has this newborn, and it really does look like the nanny from the back. So of course. Joe is up in action. She's running after this woman saying, give me my baby back. Stop her. She has my baby. And Jake intervenes right at the right moment before she tackles this poor woman. And we find that this woman is not the nanny. She just looks like her. And of course, the woman is terrified. Does Joe even say, I'm sorry? No. And the woman doesn't say anything either. I think she was one of those non-speaking roles. (laughs) Don't talk or we have to put you in the credits and pay you. So she just gives a look like, yeah, and walks away. Now we go to Sydney. Sydney's looking for a roommate. And she's, so she's adding her advertisement for a roommate onto this cork board. And then, but not only is she adding hers, she's removing others. Yeah, so she's she's, at this diner. She's cheating at soliciting (laughs) roommates. She's at this diner. I guess it's like the the neighborhood hotspot where people hang out. You know what I think this place is? Mel's Diner? No, I think it's the Peach Pit from 90210. I really do. Oh, really? Yeah. It looks like the the set, like the, the Peach Pit set. Could be. I don't know. They live in the same worlds. Yeah. So like Dan was saying, by the bathrooms is a cork board with, you know, dog walker looking for a babysitter. Want a roommate selling a couch. And Mm -hmm. she takes a handful of these notices notices. and she just takes them and crumples them in her hand. It's fucked up, And then puts hers like front and center so everybody can see. (laughs) That's fucked up. She then... Belly's up to the bar where she orders a coffee, I think. And uh, the server, the bartender, whatever you want to call her, is interested in the room. Her name is Ricky Abbott, played but by... Ricky's played by Tracy Lords. Tracy Lords, if you don't know, is known for lying about her age and then doing pornography. Yeah, at the age of fifteen. At the age of fifteen, so she did. She lied to the first person, to the first group that 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 took pictures of her nude, and then she started doing like actual porn, and she was underage, so like basically all those pornos had to be taken off the taken off the shelf. off the shelves because of uh, child pornography laws. So she's she's pretty famous for that. But she was in Blade. She was in Cry Baby. Cry Baby with yep. Amy Locaine. Yep. So maybe that's how they that's how she got this role. Who knows? But um they Ricky and Sydney are now bonding over both being servers, living in LA, and uh apparently shooters is like a cool place to oh, work. Oh yeah, shooters. I know it. Cool place. Cool place. Cool. You work there? Yeah. And God, she acts like porno. She's so she bad. I can tell. I don't know, but there's something about her. Like, I think maybe it's Crybaby. Uh, I don't, there's just something about her that I love. I do. I'm sorry. There's nothing about her that I love. (laughs) (laughs) And maybe it is that, like, really bad acting, which is like, very bad porn. Yeah, shooters. Uh huh. Cool place. You're acting like too good. (laughs) Your impression of her is too good. She's like, cool place. (laughs) 
So, like Dan mentioned, Ricky says, well, yeah, I could be interested in it because I'm looking for a place to live right now. Tell me about it. And Sydney gives her kind of the rundown. It's got a courtyard. It's got a pool. It's a one bedroom with a couch. So Ricky's going to be sleeping on the couch, which kind of sucks. And she's like, well, what's the downsides? And she's like, well, the the tenants are kind of nosy. I thought she said that. No, she does say that, but I think maybe they say it in a future scene. Oh, really? Yeah. So anyways, uh-huh. they make plans for Ricky to come check out the apartment the next day. Now, Jake and Joe are still on the hunt for Michael Jr., and a.k.a. Austin, a.k.a. the dumber name, Austin. And she rolls up. They roll up on the Carter's place and they're like not being covert at all. Oh, they're yeah. Like, it's like midday. They're looking through windows or like trying the door, trying to get in. And, and Jake is even like, hey, this window isn't locked. It's just stuck. Come on over here and try to muscle it up for with me. Then this nosy neighbor rolls up and he's like, uh, excuse me. What are you guys doing? They're at the lake. Yeah, so, of course, Joe and Jake try to play it cool, and they're like, oh, well, yeah, we're just friends of the Carters. We're just coming to visit, and uh, we we just thought they'd be home. What lake is it? And the guy's like, if you knew the Carters, you'd know the lake. You'd know what lake I'm talking about. Now get on. Get out of here. Before I call the police. So they have to leave. Now we go to Billy knocking on Allison's door. She's not there, of course, because Allison is spending all of her free time at AA and with Terry. And he bumps into Matt. And Matt is, he he talks to Billy and Billy is just very like uh, accusatory of AA. And, and he, of Allison and saying, well, ever since she got back from the rehab, it's like nobody that was important to her before is important any, and to her anymore. And then here's the, the AAPSA by Matt. And he's like, well, you need to be supportive in many ways. Um, basically, her life is changing and so are her priorities. So you need to take a... A backseat back to really seat. what's important in her life right now. I mean, have you done anything to support her? Have you gone to any meetings with her? And Billy's like, no. And then <laughs> I love Matt's facial expression. He's just like laughs at him like, well, there's your problem. Yeah. Maybe I'll volunteer to go to a meeting with her, support her in that way, Billy. And maybe that can open some doors with repairing your relationship. Oh, maybe, maybe he's right. <laughs> but yeah, Matt just like Matt has a way of clowning people <laughs> without them knowing. He, do- he really does. He for real he's like, like a covert like, Pff, little bitch. You're a f- <laughs> you're fucking doing it wrong, man. Okay, so yeah, like fucking Jeffrey's crying about AIDS, and Matt's like, I ain't worried about AIDS. <laughs> the fuck's wrong with you? You just cut your hand, you idiot. <laughs> Get a Band-Aid. Don't fucking cry and run out of the house. It's just AIDS. Now, Billy takes his advice immediately. So his next move is to go to the AA meeting where Allison is at that moment. Sharing her story. And you know... 
to me, I feel like, yes, I think that advice from Matt was good advice, but I feel like you need to coordinate that with the person before you just show up. Yeah. And it's like an invasion of privacy. Let's break down this scene. They're at AA. Okay. There's like an inner circle of like six or seven people with Allison and Terry included. And then there's like 15 people standing. Standing room only. Like standing it's around. fucking crowded as shit in this AA meeting. And Allison is just bearing her soul to and the And then group. watch this thing and then just watch Terry. Terry is like <laughs> hunched over, like slouched down real like. Because he's so like big, Dan. Wolf-like. If he sat up straight, like, he would look like he was like mm. four. <laughs> he would look mm. like. <laughs> he's just crunched over <laughs> like he's about to like Pounce. like destroy something and then Allison's like in the middle of her story sharing and sharing and sharing and just talking about how like how she's a, a different person and what she says is you know I've made the vow to be truthful to people in my life that are important to me there's someone that has done a lot for me in the past couple of weeks and being getting sober and meeting him are the two greatest things that have ever happened in my life. Now, Billy is looking on, and of course, he's thinking, she's talking about me. But she ain't. But it's at that moment where her and Terry lock eyes, and then Terry does this weird grabby-by-the-neck move. <laughs> yeah, he, like, slides <laughs> under the back of her like the back nape of her, of her neck and like, like fucking tugs on like, it a little bit. Like, like you're, you're mine. mine. <laughs> you're mine, bitch. And it's very clear that Allison is not referring to Billy in that moment. She's referring to Terry. And Billy can't take it because, of course, everything is about him all the time. I think Billy's just scared. Like he sees Terry like. <laughs> Really, manhandling, assert Allison. dominance over Allison. I mean, that's he's what like, he's doing essentially. It's like the, she is owned by <laughs> that guy, by a professional football star. Yeah, <laughs> and so he just like jets out of there without even making his presence known to Allison. Now we go to Joe and Jake. Life on the road. Jake is is being a a, a, a protective. Man and saying that Joe needs rest and Joe cannot go to sleep. She just can't. Right. So they're at this cheapy motel. They have two beds and they're trying to kind of, you know, settle in for the night. Joe can't go to sleep. And then Jake says, well, come over here. So she does. And she says, you know, Jake, I don't know what I'd do without you. Thank you so much. And then he says, you don't have to worry about that because I'll always be by your side. And then they start making out. And we know what happens then. He get this. (laughs) So it's the next day, and Jake goes to the front office to settle up with the hotelier. and And Jake sneakily extracts the lake information from this motel runner. Right, so the dude behind the desk, it, the, Jake asks, hey, you know, I'm visiting some friends. They have a cabin up here, but it's by the lake. Oh, yeah, you must be talking about Clear Lake. It's about an hour north of here. Yeah, it is Clear Lake. You know, do you have a yellow pa- or a white pages for that area? Sure, we have a phone book for an area that's, a, that's an hour away from here. 
Why not? That's weird. Is it? Yeah, Dan. I don't think so. Old school phone books, you cost somebody an hour away. Well, yeah, but the phone books were organized by town and city. Yeah. So it would be like us being like, oh, you need a Bakersfield phone book? Sure. Here you go. I didn't see anything wrong with that because I, I feel like that place that they stayed was near the lake enough to where people in staying at that hotel would need a phone book from time to time for that area. Well, maybe you're right. So and they're, just, they're just trying to be accommodating. Lucky for Jake, they had a phone book. Jake was easily able to flip it open to the C page, found Dennis Carter right there, and memorized the address. And then he pops back into the motel room, tells Joe, wake up, we're going fishing. It's time for war. <laughs> Get, did you get your gun? Get your strength. Oh, yeah. You don't have your gun because it's me. I'm your gun. Now, Terry and Allison, they wake up together. In Allison's bed. And, and they're laying really weird. And Allison is saying that she's always going like from clear to cloudy in her head. And Terry's giving her advice about cutting everyone loose because they're dead weight. <laughs> Well, she's saying that she's having some a hard time figuring out how her life fits together now because people that were in her life before being sober don't seem to fit in her life anymore. And that's when Terry says, well, you know, sometimes they're just going to drag you down. So you've got to get rid of your old life and move into your sober life. Terry wants Allison to come to Miami and watch him win the big game. <laughs> no excuses. They're leaving that evening. Now, of course, because of everything going on at D&D, Allison can't just pick up and leave, but he says, you know what? I'll have a ticket waiting for you at the airport tomorrow. You can come just for the weekend and then come on back. And here's why this whole situation is a bullshit. One, because... I can assume that Terry is in the NFL. He's a pro athlete. He's huge. He's going to Miami. And then he later talks about the Dolphins, which are an NFL team. But here's what's bullshit. Terry is the starting quarterback of the Miami Dolphins. and No, he's not in the Dolphins. He was playing against the Dolphins. Okay. Well, whatever. I think he's probably a Rams player. Okay, whatever. Doesn't matter. But Terry was in rehab for 30 fucking days. The NFL season, especially if he's in the playoffs, yeah. near, and the next game after the game he is playing is the Super Bowl, bro, you would not be on that team right now. If you were just in rehab, washing dishes, running whatever thing, whatever organization Twin Oaks is, <laughs> Terry was like on top of it. I don't believe for one second that Terry was in there for only 30 days. Terry had to have been in there for at least 60, maybe 90. And like he knew the inner workings of Twin Oaks. Right. Like he so, ran it. Yeah. So that is three months of the tail end of an NFL season. You're not getting your job back. You're out. You're out that season. You're on injury reserve. You're not going to be coming straight back into the mix with no practice. And then you're just and in the playing, playoffs. And playing in the uh, 
NFC Championship or AFC Championship. There's no fucking way. Well, Dan, we learn how that pans out for him in a later scene. Yes. So they are Come kind of watch just having me win like the big game. kissy kissy time, and so she's just like, "Oh, maybe I can I can swing that just for the weekend." Now Sydney is back at her apartment. Showing Ricky the place. Now, this is where Ricky's like, tell me the good things, tell me the bad things. Is Ricky a robot? <laughs> she reminds me She reminds me of a, a small wonder. Remember? <laughs> Remember that show? Um, I, I've heard tell of it. She's a small wonder. She's a little robot girl who's a maid for this family. I, I know the premise, but I have to say, I don't think I've ever seen an episode... Same acting skills for both. <laughs> Only one was acting like a robot. <laughs> Tracy Lords is acting like a per trying to act like a person. Tell me the pros. What Tell are me the cons? cons. <laughs> <laughs> what are the cons, Sydney? Please. I'm like, are you like female Arnold Schwarzenegger? I'll be back. And then she's like. I got to know about the guys here at this apartment. They're essential to the mix. Any good-looking ones? Are the are the are any cute guys? Just no no emphasis. Any cute guys? <laughs> what are the cons? <laughs> and then she's like, Sydney's like, "Well, what do you think? I like it I, a lot." I like it a lot. <laughs> In fact, I feel like I'm home already. <laughs> <laughs> That's much better. You so, gotta, you gotta deliver her lines like, like you're dead inside. <laughs> like you're almost dead. That's so sad. It's really great. <laughs> that is so sad. Uh, so, but Ricky will take it. The rent's eight hundred. So, do the math. <laughs> $400 each. Do that math, guys, because I will not. Um, yeah, it's a pretty good deal. So they agree she's going to move in. Things are good. And then we get a rare Matt sighting at D&D. <laughs> has Matt yeah, ever been I to D&D? I don't know. Don't I, think I so. can't recall another time that he has. Nope, don't think so. He walks into Amanda's office while she is shaking out some pills, and he says, you feeling okay? And she's like... Yeah, why? Yeah, she's not happy that he asked her that. He's like, I'm sorry, I just asked because you were taking pills. <laughs> and we both <laughs> laughed our asses off at that. He's like, well, you're taking a lot of pills. <laughs> just wondering if you're okay, bud. Matt tells Amanda that Michael is the new contact for the latest project that's going on for this research project. And that's a red flag that Michael is now in the game. Michael's in it to win it. So now Amanda rolls into the hospital and calls Michael a gritty little worm. And I love Michael's response. She's like, like, Amanda, you should work on your greeting. Some people may take it as bitchy. Amanda has like the boniest chicken little legs ever in this shot. They're so knobby. She looks like a child. Well, she's very. She looks like a. a, What's veal? A baby calf? Yeah, but. Like when they're not allowed to move in the cage. (laughs) So like they have no muscle. 
But oh. it's just like like flesh. You know, that was in, babe. Like it was all about that being a skinny Yes. Heather Locklear is revered as like a sex goddess. Man. She just she, there's nothing to her. So this is a scene too that harkens back to other scenes at the hospital where two characters are just talking at very high levels about very covert things in front yeah. of everybody without any regard or care that their spot will be blown. So she's like basically laying into Michael as they're walking down the hallway saying, the grant was bogus. And instead of telling me you use it for yourself, what is Peter getting you a, a membership to the country club? Are you getting a bonus? What's going on? Why wouldn't you come back to me? Peter is a serious player. Okay, Michael. And Michael says, well, what am I? Am I an amateur? No, you, and Amanda is warning him that she is going to like, she's like, Peter will squash you. You don't know what you're dealing with. And Michael says, you better get some rest, Amanda. You don't look so hot. She definitely does. Yeah. She doesn't look great. He's, he's looking at her legs. (laughs) Stop. (laughs) Uh, Jake and Joe still on the road. They're in the car. And, Jake says, you want to talk about last night? And Joe's like, nah, I'm good. Joe says, look. Jake is always the fucking needy one in a relationship. He cannot just like have sex with somebody and then be like, yeah, that was fun. He's always like, we should, we need to process last night. That's not a bad quality though. It's not bad. I'm just saying like, that's what he is. And what Joe says is, is that, look, I can't deal with apologies right now. I can't deal with your, it was a mistake. Like, I can't take that kind of rejection. Let's just kind of leave it where it was. It was, last night was great. I needed it. And Jake says, I feel so close to you now. I feel closer than I ever have. And Joe says, look, my, I really love you, Jake, and I'll always love you. But my priority is with my child. That is the relationship I'm going to work on. And that's all I have time for. That's all I can give. Closer to her than when he smashed a wine bottle on her wall (laughs) and destroyed her fridge. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. I don't believe it one bit. Now, D&D drug testing has begun. Amanda again is talking shit about Allison at any <laughs> opportunity. She's like, oh, great. So when are we going to get these tests in? Because we have a person. <laughs> Who is an alcoholic. She's an alcoholic. She will tell everybody <laughs> yeah. that Allison's an alcoholic, like to a stranger walking down the street. Like Allison Parker's uh, an alcoholic. Do, do, you, do you not like alcohol? Me neither. We got this girl back at D&D. <laughs> really boozing. <laughs> so the insurance adjuster lets her know that, hey, when we do these company-wide testings, we tend to find 2 to 5% of the employment does come up positive for some sort of drug use. And Amanda's like, well, I'm fairly certain nobody on my team is using drugs, but it'll be very interesting to see who the 2% is. Very excited to get this underway and can't wait to take my drug test. My vote's Allison Parker. <laughs> She's going to come back for screwdrivers. Now, Joe and Jake, again, they're on a stakeout now that they have where the Carters live. 
They're outside of a cabin. It's relatively dark. There's nobody there. And they decide that they're just going to wait it out. They have a feeling that the Carters will be arriving at some point, and they just need to catch them red-handed with the baby. They see the Carters pull up, and they confirm it's the Carters. Now, the one thing they can confirm is that the baby is not with them. They've parked outside of the, the little cabin. They're unloading their car full of groceries. No baby to be found. That is when Jake says, look, they don't have the kid. We have to go. Maybe we're wrong, Joe. Joe's not having it. She says, I feel that the baby is here. The baby will be here. We need to wait a little bit longer. I can feel it. This is what's happening. Mother's intuition. Boom. Head over to Melrose Place. Amanda's still popping these like red ass pills. They look like candy. (laughs) These pills are so red. And she's treating them as such. They're very red. And then Peter calls Amanda and he's just like, how you feeling? And Alice, Amanda's like, not much better. Well, you're going to promise me we're going to take every last pill. Can you promise yeah. me that, Amanda? Make sure you eat all those pills, okay? Don't skip one. You got to take <laughs> all of them. Okay, I'll do that, Peter. And then he hangs up and then immediately... Caitlin is like, hang up already. (laughs) Fuck me some more. Yeah, because they're in bed together. And my note was, all Peter does is have sex. (laughs) And practice his golf swing. That's it. So we cut away from them. Now Ricky is moving into Sid's place. I'm like, fuck. Are we going to have to deal with Ricky? (laughs) Yup. How much Ricky? Welcome to Ricky land. Guys, I don't think I can take a lot of Ricky. (laughs) I hope she's only like two episodes. So Ricky's moving her stuff in and she's got this whole parade of young, attractive women that are assisting her with moving all of her things. You mean Trish, Anna, and Becky? Yeah. (laughs) This is Trish, Anna, and Becky. (laughs) You're going to love them. They're your new friends. Not only did you get a roommate, but you got three new friends. And there's a lot more where they came from, too. <laughs> Dude, she she got taught acting on the side of a cereal box. Dan, oh, think about bad. where she comes from. Stop. Yeah. Um, now, they like. she's like, come help me with more boxes. And they, they roll out to... To, to get the boxes, and they come up on they Billy. They see Billy. Ugh. And they, they don't really interact with him, but Ricky's like, hey, he's cute. Ever do him? <laughs> <laughs> and Sydney's kind of grossed out by this notion. She's like, uh, it, no, I never then, really thought of it. And then Ricky's like, you should. <laughs> okay, next scene. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Ricky. Um. We have some rather alarming news. So we're back at D&D. We've got Peter, Caitlin, and the insurance adjuster dude all hanging out in Amanda's office. This is bad. Amanda walks in and, you know, this is the one time she's not upset to see people in her office without her being there. She says, what's going on here? We have the drug results ready. Great. Well, I can't wait to hear who, who didn't pass. Right. And Peter says, Amanda, your employment contract strictly prohibits the use of drugs. You have left me no choice. 
you will be terminated because it turns out that your test has been tested positive for THC, the active ingredient in marijuana. <gasps> and watching this Marijuana? Now, yeah, I'm like, who oh, cares? Oh my gosh. <laughs> that is the hardest of the hard drugs. So You the, leave the board no choice. We have to let you go, Amanda. The insurance guy is like, We've tested the results twice, and it's really quite conclusive. You do have traces of THC in your system. And she's now she's just clamoring for for an ounce of uh, of uh, acceptance. Now she's like, Peter, you know I don't do drugs. Turning. And Peter is just like he's totally cold. turning his back on her, and is like, you know what, Amanda? I don't know what you do in your spare time, but. This is not going to work here at this place of employment. Turn and in your keys, files, and company property so and leave course, the premises. She puts two and two together and she's like, you drugged me, Peter. This was all you. This was your little plan all along, wasn't it? Get me out of D&D. And he says that she has one of the three weaknesses. He does? Yeah. What does he say? He was like, you're weak. Oh. I'm sure weakness is one of the three weaknesses. Mental, emotional, physical. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Amanda says to Peter, she's like, the game isn't over. <laughs> and I'll be handing, P- Peter, I'll be handing you your jewels on a platter. <laughs> oh, what a threat. Now, Terry, we're back to Terry. God damn it. I hated this scene. Terry opens the he opens the door in a towel of his place and, at the hotel that he's staying in in Miami. Right, and it's Allison. But my question is, what if it wasn't? He just opens the door with a he towel care. to anybody. Yeah, he's so nasty. Like I hate him <laughs> without a shirt. I just he is yuck. He's a nasty guy. Just not feeling Terry. I can't deal with him. Well, I can't deal with them. Like they get really close in the makeouts, and it's just yeah. ugh. He, it's very in your face. Yeah, it's it's just uh, I just can't get down with it. So he is surprised to see Allison because her plane got in early. <laughs> in what world does that happen? Yeah, and, and they um, they start immediately going at it. And uh, Allison's like, I know what I want. And it's okay. you. Yeah, okay, great. You guys have a have at it. Okay, so we are back to the stakeout with Joe and Jake. They're sleeping in the car when another car rolls up to the cabin. This awakens them both. And when the car parks and the driver exits, they see it's the nanny. She promptly moves around to the side of the car, extracts baby Austin, and then both carters come running gleefully out of the house, ready to welcome their grandson. And they're parked not so covertly. Yeah, they're like totally within eye shot. Yeah. They're seeing all of this. <laughs> if they walked like... 20 feet. <laughs> I think when they drive up to the cabin, it's very clear that there is a car on the side like, of the road. Yeah, they could be seen from like the door. Like, oh yeah, there's just a car. <laughs> there's a 
neon blue Chevy Tracker. Two, two <laughs> folks are just sort of sleeping there. Not sure what that's about, but okay. Now, with Joe's suspicions confirmed, she is ready to leap out of the car and grab her baby and run away. I have a question. Right. Why, why didn't the Carters call the cops when Kimberly called them? That is my question as well. They <laughs> seem to be the people that want to go through the proper channels. Yeah. If they were to go to the authorities with this revelation that this insane, faked death plan was hatched and executed, then it would be pretty easy to prove that that was what had occurred. Yeah. Uh, Joe has my baby again. Remember, we won this in court. Can you go get her? Instead of hiring some fake nanny to break several more laws. Yeah. Why not just call the police? That is my... I should call the cops. I'm with you. But I don't know. They thought that maybe this would be easier. I I could not tell you why they thought that this was a good idea. So... Joe's ready to jump out of the car. Jake pulls her back and says, no, Joe, at this point, we have to call the police because you know what? If we keep this up, this little game is never going to end. You'll get Austin back, then they'll steal him. Then you'll get him back again. And what kind of a life is that for your child? We need to call the police. We need to tell them everything. After this stunt that they've pulled with kidnapping him back, You'll probably get custody. So there's a payphone at the bottom of the hill. I suggest we drive down there. We call them. Joe is not having it. She says, I will not leave my baby again. Jake says, okay, I'm going to run down to the bottom of the hill to make this phone call to the police. You need to promise me that you will stay in the car. You cannot do anything rash. I will be right back. So she agrees to that. Mm Mm-hmm. Then Mr. Carter, he comes out of the the cabin with an old school rifle. Toting a shotgun. Now, what in the world could have tipped them off that somebody is out, like, out there? Jake running down the hill? I don't know. So the Mr. Carter comes out with the shotgun and he kind of like starts walking around the property. Mrs. Carter comes out and she's like clutching her her sweater and she's standing at the porch saying, Hello? Is anybody there? Who's out there? Who's who's there? And of course, Joe is kind of slinking down in the car as she's watching this all transpire. And then Joe gets out of the car. Yeah. I don't know why, but she decides, you know what? She's like, now's my time. I can beat this bitch up. This is a good good a time as any. She's like, you have my baby in there. She walks toward Mrs. Carter, and she responds by saying, you're trespassing. Get out of here. Get out of here. Jake arrives just in time after phoning the police and telling them what's going on in the address. And he's there just in time to see Dennis Carter shoot Joe in the back. So Joe Joe sees that Mr. Carter has a gun and she turns and starts running from him and he shoots her. Now, for emphasis, Mr. Carter shot Joe in the fucking back. 
With a shotgun. Like pointed at his wife and the baby as well. Keep in mind, Joe's running towards her child and Mrs. Carter. And I don't know if you guys understand shotguns, but shotguns, they spray bullets. It's not just one bullet that's going directly at someone. It's a spray of like, it's like you don't just get one hole. You get fucked up. Like shrapnel. Yeah. And so if you're in that direction and you're in close range, you getting it too. So this man is fucking nutty, insane. If you're going to shoot somebody with a shotgun in the back at close range, Joe should be dead. Joe, at this point, like, they cut to commercial. I'm like, Joe is dead. <laughs> That's it. This is a wrap. Yeah. And probably the baby got shot and <laughs> and his wife got They're shot. They're all done. Well, yeah. the next scene, we have Jake talking to the police. Joe has been loaded on a gurney. She's alive, and she's being loaded into an ambulance. Jake is saying that that man, motioning to Dennis Carter, shot my friend in the back, and the wife, Mrs. Carter, contends that that is a lie, that the woman tried to kidnap their grandchild. Why don't the cops already know this? There's only a couple It's not like a, a crowded city where they're like, who fired the gun? Who did this? Like, they're going to arrest. They're going to put everybody in cuffs there that was there immediately. And like, who was holding the gun? Like, they could, they could deduce that the man was holding the gun. Like, it takes Jake to say, like, I would like to press charges on this man. Like, no, someone was shot. Well, because Jake Hansen said it. Okay, you are under arrest, sir. Yeah. We are going to be taking you into custody. And there's irrefutable evidence that that Mr. Carter shot Joe in the back. But you know what, Dan? Now that we're like really delving into this, I kind of think that the Carters were within their rights to shoot Joe. Maybe. I kind of feel like they were because number 1, she is trespassing on their property. Number 2, I thought she was running away from Mm. The Carters, but now that we're kind of delving she into ran this, towards she was running, running toward Mrs. Carter to get the baby. Now, they don't know what her intent is. Like she says, I want my baby back. She's running toward Mrs. Carter. Mr. Carter could think that she's going to try to kill his wife. Mm-hmm. So his only recourse is to shoot her to stop her. And you know what? I think if that was argued in court, that they would probably, the Carters would probably win. Maybe not in California. Like California, like, you could shoot a burglar in your house, and the burglar can sue you. Well, yeah, I mean. <laughs> for, the, for you shooting him. That's true, but I don't know. I just kind of think that they did win custody of the baby, so technically, they do have, they, that baby is, Legally theirs. Yeah. I don't know. I but, mean... I mean, look at it Look at it from, from this perspective. Joe killed Reed on a boat with a gun. And, like, you come up on a situation where someone is shot and you have a gun, you put everybody in cuffs. 
just no, I agree know. with you. I'm just saying down the road, if we're looking at this situation and how the events unfolded, yeah, that yeah. I uh, Jake is sure that if heard by a court, that any court would say that the Carters were in the wrong. I am saying that I think it would be the complete opposite. It'd be a cool court case. I'm, it would be very interesting. One for true TV. So there you have it, folks. Joe takes a bullet. F- full circle. Reed got one. Now Joe gets it. So in the next scene, we're with Billy and Amanda. And Billy, Amanda, I think, is kind of like telling Billy everything that occurred. And Billy's trying to like. On her knees. Like, re- what? <laughs> She's on her knees. While this is happening. <laughs> you didn't see that? No, where are they? They're at her place. <laughs> what is she doing on her knees? She well, we later find out she's like looking for pills. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. So we're in her bedroom and she's she's kind of crouched over, looking under a dresser, telling Billy what occurred, and Billy is like, Okay, let me get this straight. So you think Peter drugged you and you're looking for the missing pill to show that he's guilty. And she's like, yes, that's what I've been trying to tell you. And then he finally comes out with it and says, well, there's something I didn't tell you. (laughs) I saw Caitlin and Peter together. And that's where she's like, so yeah, what they work together. No, (laughs) they were going at it like minks and heat. Oh my God. (laughs) I hate his analogies. And you know what I hate that he did in this scene? Hmm. He fucking, he throws Allison under the bus by saying, well, I told Allison, but she said not to tell you. She said, stay out of it. And it's just kind of like, why would you do that? Why would you make Allison's life more miserable by saying that? And then, of course, Amanda takes this as He's a mad personal affront. He's mad at her because he thinks she doesn't need him anymore. Well, she doesn't. He's like, I miss, I miss the alcoholic Allison. <laughs> but he hated her too. You're drunk. He he put. I don't know. Fuck him. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so Amanda dropped a pill behind the dresser. She thinks if she finds this pill, she can she can prove that Peter drugged her, and she finds a. Bright red pill. She finds it and she's like, got him. This is like, it's like the size of a Pez, but as red as a Sudafed. And it's so red. I mean, I guess that by having the pill, you've got some kind of, you've got some kind of evidence. And I guess even if she had the bottle, she did pick it up from from the the hospital, but. How can you prove that that pill came from that pill bottle? How can you prove that beyond a reasonable doubt? Well, yeah, I guess you're. I, well, yeah, well, probably maybe residue on the on the maybe, bottle. Maybe, but so you're you're thinking that maybe the bottle says a different set of pills. Yeah, of course it would. And then the okay, it would have to say amoxicillin or some kind of round of. <laughs> But it's straight up weed in pill form. It's just THC. <laughs> straight up THC. 
Oh my god. We're now with Sydney and her new roommate, Ricky. Sydney's getting ready in the bathroom. Ricky's looking through her family photos, asking her questions. Who is this? Is this your dad? Is that your mom? Is that your sister? <laughs> Do you like them? <laughs> so they're How's talking about life? they're talking about their their families, and Ricky says, you know. Martin says that parents need to take responsibility for their children because Sydney reveals that her family doesn't help her at all with any money, which I'm like, uh, Sydney's a grown ass woman. Why should her parents be paying her rent? I, yeah. I don't get that. Um, but then Sydney's like, Oh, who's Martin? Is that your boyfriend or somebody? Oh no. Martin heads up this personal fulfillment group that I go to. You should really come. It's, you should come to a seminar. Yeah. He's like my personal guru. And that's immediately when you say, Yeah, it sounds really cool and then never go. Like, oh hell no. I'm not getting <laughs> caught up in a pyramid scheme. Cool. Send me some info on that. <laughs> so I'll make sure I'm always busy. <laughs> We're now with Joe, he, who is recovering at the hospital. So apparently getting shot in the back by a shotgun isn't a life-threatening injury. Nope. And here we now know that Joe having the gun would have been much better than having the Jake. <laughs> well, Jake is with her and is kind of giving giving her up to telling her what's going on with everything. So Austin is with a social worker right now. She's going to be okay. She doesn't have any life-threatening injuries. Jake apologizes for not being there for Joe. And there's going to be a custody hearing in a few days in L.A. And he's talked to her lawyer, and Dennis Carter has been arrested. He's in custody, and he really feels that she's going to get the baby back legally. Yeah, Jake's like, there is no fucking way. That a judge is going to let the Carters have Austin after what they did. Now, okay, this next scene, Dan, is one of my favorites. Oh, God. <laughs> it was very reminiscent of uh, my favorite, Keith. Oh. Very explosive. Terry lost the big game, guys. <laughs> so we're back in Miami. Allison is hanging out in this swanky hotel room. Terry bursts in. He is a ball of anger and rage. He throws his jacket off. He threw three interceptions. <laughs> so Allison That's a is lot. like, Terry, are you okay? Oh, yeah. I'm great. I just threw three interceptions to the Dolphins in the big playoff game. But yeah, I'm awesome. Thanks for asking, Allison. And then Allison's like, it's a game. And he's like, it's not just a game. It's the playoffs. And so he goes to the mini fridge and starts just going through, getting those mini-sized airplane little bottles. He's ripping off the the lids. He's ready to just guzzle that sucker down. He's about to fall off the wagon, and Allison grabs him, and she's like, no, Terry, wait. Take your mind off it. We can make love. Go to a movie. Talk. Take, Take a, a walk. walk. Those and are your only three options. All I can think about is booze. But what what are those options? They're very... <laughs> I don't know how to like express how random those options are. A walk, a movie, or sex? What are you picking? 
sex. Yeah. <laughs> Duh. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe a movie. But walk, <laughs> physical activity. Oh, hell no. Um, so this, I guess, solves it for the time being. Like, Terry doesn't take the drink, and he's like, well, get all that shit out of here. Yeah, he demands that she throws away all the alcohol. And she's he, very reassuring. Terry, we're going to get through this one minute at a time, one hour at a time. Me and you. And if you're the starting quarterback for a pro football team, I'm pretty sure you can call the hotel before you arrive and say, no alcohol in my room, please. So poor planning on, a, on a, an yeah. alcoholic's uh, preparations. Yeah, agreed. So now Matt and Amanda... They want to go get this pill analyzed. Yeah, they're on a phone call. And (laughs) Matt, again, this begs the question. How? What does Matt do at the hospital? Because he's somehow coordinating the analyzation of the the components of this pill. And he's like, well, the lab said it could be a couple weeks till we get the results back. I've constructed a paper trail. (laughs) <laughs> and th- what's in it for you? Oh, you're getting two hundred dollars off of your rent. Okay, you're willing to risk your job for that? Fine. Yeah, check out this paper trail. I like I want to go into his office and it's like this huge map with like string, <laughs> like attaching all this shit, like connecting. You know how they do with like murders. Oh, of course I know. And These are the major players, Amanda. Uh, you got you got Peter over here. You got Michael over there. We string it over to the whatever the fuck that medication's called. <laughs> and Amanda says, well, several weeks. The board is meeting in two days. We have to have something on them before the meeting. I have to get my job back. And I'm kind of like, screw D&D. Yeah, man. There's other... I get it. You've got to get your reputation back. And in due time, you will. But... Why do you want to be a part of this company so badly? There's plenty of D&Ds out there. Why? I don't understand it. So she's Start like, your own. So Matt reassures her and says, you know, I'll do everything I can to expedite this process. But in the meantime, you got to get to Peter and let him know. Make him squirm. Let, let him know that you're working on it. Yeah. Okay. Now... Miss Carter is just hovering over Joe at the hospital like a ghost. So it's night. Joe's sleeping. She wakes to see Mrs. Carter, like Dan said. Who looks a lot like Angela Lansbury here. She kind of does. Murder, she wrote. And she is, I don't know how she's gotten into this room. I don't, I don't know how, like, again, in there, this is a different hospital. But they have the same kind of security as Wilshire Memorial. <laughs> and she's just hovering over Joe saying, I won't let you take my grandson. I'd rather see God take him before you do. We'll tie you up in court for 10 years, Joe. Even if you do get legal custody of him, we will never let you escape our grip. Does Grandma Carter have 10 years? I wouldn't count on that. You know, and they refer to them as middle-aged. I'm Mm-mm. like, Joe, you're middle-aged. What are you yeah. talking about? Yeah, they're not middle-aged. They are elderly. 
I was thinking that Mrs. Carter was going to do the whole suffocation thing. Like, I thought she was going to straight up murder Joe. I thought she was like, I'm nipping you in the bud when I can. You've ruined my life, and now I'm, you've killed my son, and I'm not going to let you take my grandson. You're going to die. Joe says, get no, out ghost, of. No, ghosts can't apply physical pressure. <laughs> if she touched her, she would just go through her. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. You're right. You're right. You can't actually touch her. So Joe says, get out of my room before I scream. <laughs> Now we get a knock on Amanda's door. Matt found out that the pills Amanda were taking were just THC. He did some great work. He expedited that process. The lab said several weeks. He said, you know what? I'm going to get it in 24 hours. He did it. Matt did it. All his magic. Now people, we go to D&D and people at D&D all over the office are just crying. Allison walks in, she sees Billy, and she's like, what's going on here? Everyone is getting fired. Every single person. So did they all fail a drug test? No, the first round of Caitlin's cuts are coming. So here's the other thing that we have to talk about, too. Caitlin's plan is basically firing every person that works at D&D. Except Billy. Except Billy and... (laughs) One person of Billy's choosing. Right. That he gets to save their butt. Yet, they're deciding to get a whole new insurance carrier and go through the cost and time of taking drug tests for people that are going to be fired anyway. Because the drug test was there just to get Amanda fired. Yeah, but it just does not make sense. So these people who have been fired have already taken the drug test, yet they're being fired anyway. So They should have been like, oh, yeah, all upper management has to take drug tests. That way, only Amanda would take it. Yeah. So anyway, um, they're all crying. Lots of the, the first round of layoffs and f- firings have, have, been, have happened. Allison says, well, I feel like I'm next, knowing you know Amanda's feelings about me. But then Billy says, actually... You're not, because I had a, a personal, I went out to dinner with Caitlin, and she said I could save one person, and I chose you. Oh, you're such a hero. Thanks, Billy. And Allison, like, tries to kind of make light of this, and like, oh, you went out to dinner with her. Like, oh, did you go on a date? Because, you know, obviously she's moved on to somebody else, and I think she can kind of sense that Billy keeps trying to come back to her, and she's like, oh, yeah, are you seeing her? Great. And he's like... No, it wasn't like that. And then she gets a call from Terry at that moment. Right. And Billy is so freaking jealous. Right, yeah. He just can't take it. He's like, I just saved your butt. Now you got to talk to Terry? And she's like, yeah, I am. And he's having a hard time. He's my AA friend, and I've got to be there to support him. Billy just doesn't get it, man. Now, Amanda... She goes to Peter, who's actually in scrubs. He's doing a surgery or something. He's going to do work today. And she claims that she has all the info she needs on Peter about these THC pills. She tells Peter that he is going to attend the board meeting in two days' time. He's going to publicly apologize to Amanda. 
he and Caitlin are going to bow out of D&D altogether, and he's going to make things right. So has Amanda just been high this whole time? <laughs> yes, and I guess like... <laughs> She's just stoned? I mean, I don't even understand why, like her, she wasn't, she was acting more frantic, like she was on uppers as opposed to being on marijuana. Yeah, I would feel like she'd just be like laughing, like eating a lot. Yeah, and like just really like like blanked out, Space. like hey. Yeah, uh, yeah. All and she did was be like, "Yeah, I don't, I don't feel any better. I don't feel good." She probably I feel high as shit. It was really. He had her taking a lot of THC. Four pills a day. Four pills a day. She's fucking baked. <laughs> And she's still able to, like, do stuff. She's, like, having Matt, like, do errands and, like, work out these, like, plans. Yeah, that goes to show you that even under illicit drug use, Amanda is still fully functioning, firing on all cylinders and getting shit done. Just banged up on THC. Now, Peter, of course, finds these demands to be comical and is like, what makes you think I would ever do that? You don't have anything on me. And Amanda says, Peter, if I didn't have anything on you, I wouldn't be here. You were a good teacher to me. Maybe too good a teacher. This whole like game (laughs) analogy... Has got to stop. You're my teacher. I'm your protege. Teach me how to r- climb the corporate ranks. Game over. <laughs> oh, the game's not over. It's just begun. <laughs> I've moved my piece into a commanding lead over you in this game. No, you haven't. You use me as a pawn. <laughs> yeah. I've countered your move. <laughs> but I'm the queen, and the queen always wins. <laughs> Untrue. This game, <laughs> now the game is over. Shut it up. No, no, no. The game's just started. No. <laughs> it's actually, I'm playing a different game now. <laughs> nah, no, we're not. I'm still playing the, I'm still playing the other I'm game. In the other game. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, how many games are we actually playing at the same time? I Well, I thought we were playing four games. Were we, were we not? <laughs> No, out. We've been playing one game this whole time. But four levels in yeah. one game. I told you <laughs> the three weaknesses are only for this one particular game that I've won. <laughs> That's where you're wrong, Peter. Because I've been playing five games. <laughs> oh my god! Okay. It's got to stop. Anyway, it's got to stop. <laughs> um. So she's got proof. And this kind of shakes Peter up a little bit. He's kind of quaking in his boots. You see it. Mm-hmm. And he just turns around and he goes back to his surgery or whatever he's going to do at the hospital. So Peter goes to Michael because apparently this THC is tied to the only project <laughs> that, Michael that Michael's now in charge of. is the research lead on. Yeah. So he's like, I need you to meet with Amanda at midnight. In my office. It's so late. <laughs> and even Michael's it's like, late. why does it have to be a midnight? <laughs> I can't take any chances. I cannot be seen with Amanda. Not at this stage in the game. <laughs> <laughs> what if this game means you can't meet with her any other time? <laughs> this game sucks. Um, so they want to have her paid off because money's her weakness. 
<laughs> we didn't learn about that in the three weeks. <laughs> I thought money. Maybe money's under mental. It's a different game. <laughs> I'm so confused. So there's that, so many games. That's what he tells Michael. He's gonna say we're gonna pay her off to shut her mouth and just keep quiet about this, and but don't tell her that she's gonna get any money. I want to tell her myself. I, I turned off. So Michael's point. like, okay. <laughs> I'm fucking lost at this point. It was late. I'm like, all right, so something's going to happen. So now Joe is home, basically recovered fully yeah, from okay. a gunshot. Now, we were trying to understand where physically she had gotten shot. Mm-hmm. I feel like she got shot in her shoulder, like in the back of of her shoulder. Her arm is in a sling, but other than that, there are no visible maladies or injuries that she has. And again, the shotgun bullet, it's not just one bullet. It's like a spray. She would be like fucked up in like Like a lot of areas. Swiss cheese. Yes. So, But she's curled up on the couch like with her, like talking to her girls. Drinking a cup of tea and... No problem. She doesn't know what's going to happen. She feels as if her life is out of control. Because in the scene before this, she couldn't move out of bed to to get away from Ghost Mama Carter. <laughs> and that was like the day before. Yeah, this is not a good position for someone to be in who's just been shot. She's making a miraculous recovery. It's amazing. She really is. So Jane is with her. She's kind of... I guess she's like bearing her soul to Jane saying, what kind of a mother am I? I had my baby and I let him get stolen twice. Once is one thing. Yeah. Twice is insane. She's basically reciting my lesson from last week verbatim. <laughs> <laughs> she like, got the memo. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Joe is just like, I'm not a good mom. Now Jane tries to give her a little bit of solace and says, Joe, you risked your life for Austin. You've got to roll with the punches. What? Rolling with the punches? These are not punches. These are like, drag out, you're freaking murdered. Like, yeah. you were, you almost got murdered days ago. This isn't like, oh, huh, rolling with the punches, had a bad day, the baby spit up on my shirt. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you got shot in the back. This shit is life-threatening. <laughs> So Jane says, you've got to roll with the punches. Sooner or later, things are just going to work out. She should have been like, oh, no, no one was punched. There were shots fired. I'm rolling with the shots. Yeah. (laughs) Now, this is when Joe starts to bring up the idea that, you know what? It doesn't really matter what happens to me. I need to be thinking about Austin and what is right for his well-being. Now we're in the Melrose Place courtyard. Jake is back, but he sort of <laughs> he sort of just blows off Sydney. Sydney's like, "Hey, Jake, what's up? What happened?" He's like, "Sorry, I just I like, can't. I can't talk to you right now." So Sydney is with her new roommate Ricky. As Jake is walking away, of course, Ricky has to have some little quip about the med of Melrose Place. Wow, what a bod. <laughs> So that's Jake, huh? Well, Sydney, if he wanted to be with you, he would be. So you aren't doing anything right, and he doesn't want you. So just like get that through your head. 
Ricky tells Sydney, like, hey, you should come to a Martin meeting. <laughs> Sydney's like, I don't know. I, you know, I'm really busy. I've got to work. Sid, it doesn't cost a penny. I mean, I used to be a loser just like you. <laughs> now I work at a diner. Now I'm like really successful and I have a bunch of friends, Becky, Trish, and Anna. They're like the coolest. <laughs> I'll show you how to make your dreams come true. <laughs> Please come to a meeting, Sid. <laughs> now we have Allison and Terry's dinner. They're out to dinner. Terry has come to the realization that he made a big mistake in Miami. He almost fell off the wagon. He's groveling. He's apologizing. God. He's telling Allison how much she means to him and that without her, he would never be able to get through this recovery. And he produces a box from a suit jacket. And weren't we both like, no, please, please. no, God, please Don't be a bracelet. Oh it. my God, please be a pair of earrings. Why, yep, why, it's why? A it's, it's a ring. It's a freaking engagement ring. How he, many guys have proposed to Allison? We're up to two. Three. But I got to say. This Billy? Keith? Did Keith propose to her? I think so. Really? I think he was like, I want to marry you, Allison. Well, I mean, okay, with the ring. but Maybe he was like, I want to wear you, Allison. <laughs> <laughs> wear you, marry you. What's the yeah, difference? Same old. Um, but she's really upgraded her ring status. Yeah, this ring is much better than the shrapnel bottle opener that Billy got her. Um, so she puts it on, but she's like, Terry, I, I can't accept this. And then Terry's just like, well, you just just keep it as a pro. It's like yeah, a friendship. Ring. I mean, you've been through so much with me over these past thirty-one days, and you need to keep it. It's for you. We'll see what happens down the road. If it develops into something more, maybe we can get married later. And Terry, bud, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but that's not how this works. You can't like offer an engagement ring to be married. And then when she says no, turn it into a different thing with different rules. No, you take the ring back and it's... Well, they, they're they happy about it. You know, it, Terry does not view this as a rejection. I think they're both on the same page that they're going to take it slowly. She'll wear a ring in the meantime. And if down the road they decide that getting married is the way they're going to go, then great. Didn't microcomp? Ask Allison to get married. No, I think he wanted her to go to Europe with him. She, all the guys, they all so many guys love Allison. They can't get enough of her. For what? Like I can't even describe Allison's personality to you. I couldn't. She says God a lot. Like, is she smart? I don't. Not really. (laughs) Is she funny? No. Is she? Like, what would you describe? What are her traits? She's the all-American creepy doll collector. Um, Pretty smile. She's, she's very work-driven, but fails. <laughs> but not. <laughs> yeah. Anytime she's given an opportunity, she totally blows it. Is she, she pretty? Yeah. I mean, now that the helmet hair is gone. Yeah. She like invests her entire soul into whoever she's with at that moment. She's wishy-washy at best. 
like I just I don't know anything about this girl. She's had f- f- at least five guys like throw themselves at her. She's not like no. Well, they're happy with it. So we end this scene where they're like, "Okay, marriage is a big decision. We'll see how it goes." <laughs> All right. Kimberly and Michael are at the beach house. They're laying in bed. It seems as though they've just woken up. Kimberly says, couples that shower together, stay together. Oh, Michael says the fucking worst shit (laughs) that you can say at this moment. He's Um, like, I'm feeling pretty pretty clean. You go ahead. And he starts like tapping her. Like, like, okay, off you go. Go ahead, honey. Go and run along. So I don't, don't want to shower. You know, with you. she feels a little dejected. She goes into the bathroom, starts running the shower. Michael sees his opportunity. He picks up the phone, dials Amanda, and says, "Hey, can we meet tonight at midnight?" And dials her by heart. By heart. <laughs> Everyone knows everyone's number by heart. Now he's trying to play her and says. Amanda, you're right. Peter is out to destroy us. We need to get together. There's files in his office that we both need to get at the same time at midnight. So meet me there. Amanda's skeptical. She's like, "Uh, why should I believe you? I've got as much in this as you do. I'm I'm connected to this fake project, and he's going to blow the lid off me too. So we've got to team up together to get Peter. She buys it. They decide that they're going to meet that evening, midnight, Peter's office. Now, Allison comes to work and sees Billy. Billy immediately comments on this massive rock that she's received from a pro athlete. And it's because his ring sucked. So he starts shitting on it, (laughs) calls her a classic codependent. And Allison's like, fuck you. Get out of here, Billy. And he says, you know what, Allison? You're just substituting one addiction for another. Whatever. Okay. Sounds good, Billy. And it's just like, I know we've said it a million times, but Billy, why in the world should Allison give you the time of day? Yeah, you Do fuck we your best friend. need to go over the fact that you were living with Susan, her best friend? Do we need to talk about that? He courted her relentlessly in Allison's face. Yeah. Nearly driving her to alcoholism. Right. That is grounds for like, we don't talk anymore, let alone we're friends. Yeah. I think the notion that she's going to want to get back with you is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, it's insane. But I know we can hammer that point home till the cows come home. And we got so much more to talk about. So much more. This so thing is not much. Over. Uh, Joe is at the hearing for custody of her custody child. of baby Austin. It's a small gathering. It's it's kind of reminiscent of when Allison had to testify about the Chaz sexual harassment thing. Chazzy. 
<laughs> they're like in the quarters, like the judge's quarters. Yeah. And the judge is sitting at this very regal desk and it's a lot of like library books and very dark wood and very proper, like a smoking lounge kind of a feel. So we've got the Carters and their representation on one side. We have Joe and her lawyer on the other side. They're kind of hashing out what occurred, what went down. And the Carters are still very adamant. We won legal custody of this child. He is ours by law. We deserve him. We were granted custody of him. But in light of this little stunt that they pulled with hiring this fake nanny to kidnap him and take him away, the judge isn't really seeing it that way. Now, Joe decides that this is her time to stand up for what she believes in, and that is the well-being of Austin. She says, I love my baby. I want my baby to have the best <laughs> life possible. How much do you love him, Carters? I'm willing to give him up to a family that can care for him and give him a life better than what I could and better than what the Carters could. And I think if that's where he needs to go, I will do that for him because I love him. What a great Joe. Oh, God. Now, (laughs) the judge is very impressed by this. Young lady, thank you for speaking your piece. Please sit down. After hearing the situation here today, I am in agreement with you, Joe, that it is not right for the Carters to have custody of baby Austin after this debacle. And I don't think that he can be with you either. I think we really need to explore the possibility of placing him with an adoptive family with your permission, of course. And I love the wording that the judge uses here. I've never heard someone be called morally bankrupt. Oh, he calls really? He calls the Carters morally bankrupt. Well. And, he, and he's like, and because of that, you you're lost. out. You've lost your custody. But I have to ask, why is Joe an unfit mother? Why? And why does she believe she is now too? Because where she lives. Did you not? Were you not at the first hearing? No, I I understand that she lives in an apartment she building. She's a gay man with a gay. She's not married. Nope. A gay man lives in her building. Mm-hmm. And somebody that has loose morals that used to be a a woman of the night lives there, too. And the godmother is a drunk. I just don't. And her boyfriend blew up on a boat. (laughs) All those things put together. Um, All those things put together. I don't know. I just feel like, okay, I... Listen, I realize that Melrose Place, the movie, the, the... the series uh-huh. can't necessarily go on with a baby in the mix. All babies must go. Like, <laughs> babies cannot be there. I get it, but it's amazing Austin lasted this long. I just, I just don't see why Joe. I mean, I gotta tell you, if someone was out to kidnap Moxie in the way that these people were trying to get Austin, someone would have done got her by now. Yeah, like. You can't watch your child 100% of the time. 
even if we go if we go to a store or something like yeah she's with me i'm holding her hand most of the time she's in a cart but there are some times where i let her walk by me and i could turn someone could just snatch her and run don't do that <laughs> confessions of a bad mother watch, her, will you? <laughs> watch our kid will you but you know what i'm saying i mean like you have people that are relentlessly trying to steal your child they will take any opportunity to do so i don't know i just feel like i i feel like i feel bad for joe that she feels that way mm. So that seems to be the way that the storyline is going to go. So Sydney rolls up to this fake ass, like knockoff Scientology. This is some <laughs> like Scientology a seminar. shit. Martin is a creep. He is a weird human. And, um, and like as, as Sydney walks in, Ricky is like, look, everyone. It's Sydney. Oh, Sydney. Hi. We've heard so much about you. Why don't you come sit up front with me? Then Martin just jumps straight into this like preaching about changing your mind and changing your life and like self-help. We allow people to treat us the way we let them. If you think you're crap, people will treat you that way. And everyone's just like starry-eyed watching him like... Wow, I never thought of it that Mind way. Blown. And just with those two lines, Sydney is hooked. You can tell she's buying what he's selling. Well, she's for several since Sydney's been around, she's been looking to be a part of something. That's why she became a hooker. That's why she became a pimp. That's why she became a wife. That's why she will now become a Martinist. Part of the Ponzi scheme. Yeah. Okay, so Michael and Amanda are at Wilshire Memorial. They are in Peter's office. They're ready to find these files when Peter bursts in. Bursts. And he, and of course Amanda is like, Michael, you double-crossed me. And Michael is like, I don't know what's going on. Peter produces a syringe grabs Amanda and says, this, this medical compound or this syringe produces spasm-like symptoms that make it seem like you're having an appendicitis. What? And, what is this? Injects Amanda. When would you need this? When, like, so this medication is available readily. When is this needed to do, like induce Appendicitis? I have no idea. So this drug starts taking effect almost immediately. We have she gets stuck, and she and immediate Amanda's like, "Oh my god!" Amanda is doubled over in pain. Guys, Peter's fucking crazy. Peter is a psycho, and he's like, "Well, Doctor Mancini, it seems this girl has appendicitis. We have no option but to operate on her immediately." He's like, "What?" What? This is too much. Let's Peter. open her up, Mancini. And you've lost patience before. Don't let one more 
uh, ruin it for you. Mancini, this is the only thing that stands in your way. You could have everything. You could be on my level. We need to get rid of Amanda. Mancini is not on board with this whole thing. He's very like, oh, what are you doing? We didn't agree to this. This wasn't part of the plan. Yeah. But he decides to go along with it because of the reasons that Peter listed. Somewhere between, like... A couple hours ago, Peter has changed and now is attempting to murder Amanda. And since when does removing an appendix, like, how was that murdering somebody? I, I mean, guess how is he going to pass it off to say, well, the appendix burst. They're going to, like, they'll, they'll, try, they'll go for the appendix and lose her. That's what I thought they were going to do. I don't know. It just seems... And there's other, like... Doctors in the room, yeah, like so involved. They're gonna they, know if you fuck up. They have Amanda on a gurney. They're rolling her to the operating room. They're in their scrubs. They've got like the face masks on. And as Dan mentioned, there's a team of other doctors around, ready to perform an appendicitis, as if her appendix has burst or is getting ready to burst. Now, Peter, being the freaking crazy maniacal person that he is. Asks for the scalpel, but instead of making the incision in Amanda's abdomen himself, he hands it to Michael and says, no, Mancini, you, you make the first cut. So, Which is smart, because Michael did it. He's, he, I, I think that was intentional. He's like, Michael, well, you do that it shit. It could all be part of his master plan. Michael has the scalpel. He's kind of like wavering over... He's like, do it. The stomach. Do it. Cut her open, doctor. Do it. Do it now. She's going to die if you don't. And then Michael finally has some sort of like move of conscience. And he says, I can't do this. Dr. Burns has drugged her. She's There's nothing wrong with this patient. There's nothing wrong with her. He wants to kill her. Then Michael and Peter get into a straight up fist fight. In the operating room, wearing scrubs and masks and all. They're fighting with a scalpel. Right. Michael gets stabbed with it. And um, Michael punches Peter in the face. And then Peter gets knocked down and, like, knocks his head. And this is the first fist fight that Michael Mancini has won in the history of Melrose Place. Really? He's got his ass kicked like 10 times. Uh, I won't argue with that. First one he's won. Good job. And then Michael says, we need to get a plastic surgeon in here. I think I broke his nose. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Tooting his own horn as he does. Uh-huh. Now, guys, it ain't over yet. Jesus Christ. Allison is coming to Terry's house. He, she's popping in. With uh, bags full of groceries, she lets herself in because, I mean, she's practically engaged to him, so I guess she has a key to his house. She's calling for him. She puts the groceries down. Doesn't hear him. She approaches the bedroom, and as soon as she opens the door, she hears two people having a little, uh, yeah, a little giggle, having a little fun. She's walking toward the bed, and she sees the sight that... No one ever wants to see Terry in bed with another woman. And she storms out. And then Terry's like, he like literally picks this woman up off of <laughs> and him. And like throws her aside her. like trash. 
And uh, he runs out to chase Allison. We've seen this before. Allison storms out. Allison, she didn't mean anything to me. She's just some bimbo. She's some no-name bimbo. Hit on me. It, it's part of my addiction. Yeah. And then, of course, mm. Allison is like, oh, come on, Terry. Give me a break. Talk is cheap, and I'm not. She And then she slips off her ring, and she's like, I don't need you. Give it to the bimbo. <laughs> and she's outie. Now, Amanda, she wakes up at the hospital the next day, and Michael rolls up on her, and he's like, get back into bed. Now, Amanda, of course, being the consummate corporate executive that she is, looks up on the wall, notices it's after 9 a.m., and the board meeting is scheduled to start today. So her first thought is she needs to get out of this hospital bed, get over to the board meeting, and Fight for her rightful spot at D&D. You gotta fight. And so Michael prohibits her from doing so and breaks the news that he told the police everything. He saved her life while sustaining 10 stitches from when Peter attacked him and that Peter is now in jail. Peter's in the clink. Now Sydney is at Shooters and Ricky is pushing hard for Sydney to join up with the Martin gang. So, Sydney, what did you think about Martin? Um, he's nice, I guess. I mean, like, I, I totally understood what he was saying. Yeah, you should sign up for the $1,200 seminar. <laughs> I don't know, Ricky. $1,200, that's a lot. Oh, well, you know, people make like $50,000 in the first year. You'll totally see a return on your investment. You should do it. What the fuck does Ricky know about an investment? Yeah, she's a waitress <laughs> at a place that's not as cool as Shooters, and she's now living at Melrose Place with Sydney on a pullout couch. In a one bedroom. Wow, you're really not making exactly, it. Not exactly living the example life. So uh, Ricky then is like, well, you know, you can, you can take the course without paying. Yeah, I mean, you can work in the office, and that might be a way that you can take it, and you'll just pay Martin back later in another way when you can. What sex? <laughs> so now Amanda rolls into the D&D meeting to expose Caitlin Mills and Peter's plan with Michael. Yeah, so they both show up. They, the board is about to vote on whether or not Caitlin should be the president of D&D. Perfect timing. Giving the drug results. And, of course, Amanda has this big showdown where she's like, pardon the interruption, but I have evidence that points to the fact that these drug tests were rigged. I was drugged, and now Caitlin is part of it. She's nothing but a secretary from Chicago and has no business or even experience running a company like D&D. Yeah, it's a big, a big gotcha moment. Everybody, Caitlin is starting to get really aggravated and starts yelling like, you guys really going to believe this? La, la, la. You can't believe her. She's on drugs. Yeah, but of course, with Michael by her side, he's able to corroborate everything. All he's like, all he says is like, I'm a doctor and this is all true. <laughs> I am a doctor. This is my patient. Yeah. Dr. Burns is now currently in jail because he did drug her and everything is fine. So you should make Amanda the president again. And the board is like, oh, 
Well, Guess you're right. You know, given these findings, I don't even think we need to vote. I think that Caitlin's fired. Caitlin is out. <laughs> Amanda is in. And of course, Caitlin has a one day you'll all be sorry you ever messed with me. And Amanda says, I'm sorry I even met you. Ooh, Ooh sick burn, sick. Amanda. Now, Terry is. He runs up on Allison, begging her to come back to him. Yeah, Allison's like walking to work, and Terry is basically stalking her like, Oh, Allison, what what can I do? I messed up. I needed to hit rock bottom to understand that you are everything to me. Please come back to me. And now... Allison shuts it all down, and then we see Terry's true colors finally. Yeah, so she's like, look, we don't have anything in common with each other besides our addictions. I thought they were a mirror for each other. They were a mirror. They hold each other up yeah. to the to each other. I thought they could speak without speaking. And then freaking Terry says, you know what? I can have any woman I want. You're the loser in this relationship. I'm a famous football star. Oh, Cool. And so... Great, Terry. So this line causes Allison to turn around and come back to really hammer this in. And she says, I thought you were arrogant, Terry, but you're just pathetic. Mm. And walks away. And that's probably the end of Terry, guys. It's one of the last we'll ever see him. Maybe now that Terry's gone, we'll get Jerry. I wonder what Jerry's like. Yeah, Jerry's probably pretty cool. The other oak. (laughs) (laughs) The other oaks. (laughs) Okay, so we're now with Joe and Matt. Again, somehow Matt is very instrumental in facilitating an adoption. He can do it all. He runs the gamut of any kind of social services problem matt is he heads up he's the swiss army knife of hospital of the hospital he can do it all he's cross trained he knows his stuff and he just came from a um boys home background yeah (laughs) that's all but you know he he's just that good so joe is moving forward with adopting austin out to another family we have who is this woman that's holding the baby? Is she like the adoption She's the representative? <laughs> so She's the taker away here. Joe asks to be alone with her baby. and I can't believe this is happening. She's about to pull a Jake and ditch her child. Yeah. It's like she does deliver a like really sweet monologue about like, you're going to be strong, live a good life. I'm your mama. I'll always love I you. I love you. And but when when Austin turns eighteen, she's registered as as she's gonna be informed. They're gonna inform him, right? So he, if he does so choose to try to find his birth mother, he will have access to her information, and there is a possibility that they could be reunited once he is eighteen. I wrote, I wrote. She can keep Austin now. Like it's. It's over. I have to do what's best for you, Austin. So keep him. You're gonna have a great life, baby. I know you can't you can't understand this now, but one day you will. No. I I don't understand I it don't now. either. You've won. You've beaten the Carters. This is what you've wanted. You wanted to go to New York, start fresh. 
You, you can. can. <laughs> you can go do that now. And honestly, like, she's not an addict. She doesn't have any mental disorder. She's, she's totally financially stable. What would prevent her from being a mother? Nothing. It's ridiculous. So anyways, she gets Austin taken away from her. She screams out, I love you. She's crying. And that's it, guys. Bye-bye, Austin. This saga this hour and 45 like minutes 900 years long god damn come to a close for this week for this week we still have next week so to recap well first off i have homework for all of anyone who wants it a challenge you need to find the actor who played austin where is he now? Where is that man? Because that, that, that little boy is a man now. He is a man. Right? Yeah. 25? Yeah, he, he's old. Probably 26, 27. I bet. No, he's not two when he shot that. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> find Austin. <laughs> I need you guys to find Austin. Let him know this podcast is out. We want to talk to him. We'd love to talk to you, Austin. So let's recap this thing. Peter drugs Amanda with THC, which ultimately leads to her getting fired. Terry lost the big game. Sydney gets a new roommate who introduces her to a self-help group. Peter tries to kill Amanda. (laughs) (laughs) Joe and Jake stake out the Carters and Joe gets shot. Um, Peter makes Michael his monkey boy to cover up the kickbacks. Terry asks Allison to marry him, but immediately beds another woman, which leads to them breaking up. Matt plays pivotal role in solving <laughs> fucking hospital-wide uh, <laughs> scandal. Peter injects Amanda with drugs that feigns appendicitis, and Michael <laughs> saves her life. At the last possible second. It's getting crazy, guys. That's all I have. Jane is falling behind on payments at work, and Amanda takes her rightful place at D&D once again, and then Joe puts baby Austin up for adoption. And Billy's a real big dick. (laughs) 90s moments. The black sheets. The black sheets. The black sheets. <laughs> I've got Caitlin's cell phone. That thing was hella 90s. It was Joe's jean jacket. The hospital receptionist that gave Amanda the meds. Mm-hmm. She had one of those like hats. Old school like nursey hats. Yeah, it was like perched on her thing. The notion that you have to get up from your table to go seek out your check when you're dining somewhere. mm um, the phone book at the motel. Posting an ad for a roommate at a local diner. Did you already say a ticket waiting for you at the airport? No, but that's definitely <laughs> one of them. <laughs> Using the term waitress. Now everyone's a server. Your server, yeah. Um, straight up, Trish, Anna, and Becky. They are 90s women. Trish and Becky for sure. That's those are nineties names and they're nineties girls. That uh cool blue Chevy tracker. 
Whose Ooh. car was that? Was that Joe's Matt's. car? It's oh, car. that's Matt's car. Yeah. Um, THC being an issue. Yeah, criminalizing <laughs> marijuana. <laughs> like if someone was like, "Oh, she takes drugs. It's pot." It's like so what? Cool. She has a stressful job. Okay. Yeah. Uh, did you say the payphone at the bottom of the hill? No, but it's on my list. Uh, using the term like instant replay. You want to go through the instant replay? <laughs> okay. That's all I have. Yeah. Okay. What's your lesson, Dan? What'd you learn? All right. Here's my lesson for everybody. Don't just take pills because you're... <laughs> Because your doctor or or your doctor or just a doctor says you need them, it happens. All this happens all the time with athletes and like training. Um, just stop taking like shit. Like someone tells you, like, oh yeah, you need this. Do do your own research on the on the medication. There's so like UFC fighters. They get people tell them to take all these like uh, supplements and shit, and they end up having a bunch of junk in them, and then they fail their drug tests. Like, if if you know you have... Guys, just cool it with the pills. Just in general. Don't just... Be like Matt. Like, ask ask people, like, well, are you all right? Because you're taking a shitload of pills. That's actually really good advice. Yeah. It's a great lesson. Like, think about, think about what you're putting in your body. If you're not feeling well, and you're taking all these pills, do some research. Look at it. Good stuff. That's my lesson. What's yours? My lesson is never shoot somebody in the back. <laughs> never. <laughs> if you're going to say self-defense, if you're going to say, I had to, I didn't have a choice. If they're, you're shooting them in the back, they're running away from you. Yeah. If you're going to shoot someone, head, shoot kill them shot, the- get them in the face. <laughs> shoot them in the face. <laughs> Coming at you. All right. Well, now it's time for Bitch of the Week. I'm a boss ass bitch, 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 bitch. I'm a boss ass bitch. Okay, so really, this past Bitch of the Week is really Bitch of the Weekend because that episode released on Friday. It is now Monday, but we still have results for you. Um, I said that Caitlin was the bitch of the week. And Jenny said that Emily was the bitch of the week. And not a lot of people voted because there wasn't a lot of time. But uh, Caitlin wins eight to four. Wow. And there was a a write-in for Zach because Zach said that uh, Joe should have been bitch of the week. And that got two votes. Got some support. Yeah. So let's read some of your... Comments. Donald says, well, once again, this was a very tough decision. Both of you made compelling arguments, but I had to go with Caitlin since she's going to last a little bit longer than Emily. Honestly, I'm not surprised that none of you. Honestly, I'm surprised that none of you nominated either Joe or Billy for this bitch of the week. I mean, she got her baby back from crazy Kimberly and decides to hire a nanny based on her looking and sounding like Mary Poppins. 
sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, Joe's not making very good decisions lately. And Billy, because he was being way too inquisitive about where she was, and I missed the memo where it's any of his business at all where she was or what she was doing. He's the one that broke up with her. And why doesn't he just leave her alone? True. Agreed. Mindy says, Caitlin, definitely. Emily was just a mercenary. Kimberly's Kimberly's hired gun. <laughs> Caitlin is a bitch who, along with her bitch boyfriend, literally gets off on fucking over other people. I mean, it's Amanda, so I don't super care, but regardless, Caitlin is a cold-hearted, cruel bitch. Sorry, I have the mouth of a sailor. Feel free to bleep. Oh, we never bleep. Oh, come on. You, have, uh-uh. you heard, have you heard the podcast? Zach says, honestly, I think Joe is the bitch of this episode for the simple fact that she hired a full-time nanny all the while knowing that she would be moving to New York in a couple of days. Just because Emily turned out to be a douchebag herself doesn't negate the fact that Joe was being incredibly inconsiderate of somebody else's time. I would understand if there was some sort of inciting incident in this episode that would precipitate Joe to make such a rash decision, but there was literally nothing. Maybe the writers are the bitch here. I don't know. But Mm -hmm. it's hard for me to choose Emily when she is clearly an agent of somebody else's bitchiness. And Caitlin, along with Peter, are more mustache-twirling villains still. I'd even nominate Amanda for her complete 180 after last week, as it makes absolutely no sense. Even Jane had a 180 from begging Sydney to come home for Christmas to not inviting her to Allison's coming home party. Come on, guys. You can do better. (laughs) This is pretty bitchiness. This is pretty much bitchiness oozing from all of these smug, self-righteous Melrose tenants, and you're pinning it all on the two guest stars who are only following orders from a bigger bitch. But since I have to vote... I guess I choose Emily, since at least Caitlin is more transparent, and I hate liars. Nice. Hey, that's a really good point. Mm-hmm. Eric says, for this week, or weekend, I guess, I pick Caitlin, but I want to give dishonorable mention for most of the residents of Melrose Place <laughs> for not inviting Sydney to Allison's courtyard party. I mean, you can't just not invite one person. The person that Sydney's harmed the most, Jane? Just just traveled with her out of state for Christmas and can deal with Sydney being in the courtyard with her for like 30 minutes. Plus, they should have waited a little more time before Allison went in the apartment to bring out the beers and act like 14-year-olds. <laughs> That's very true. That is very true. It is. Um, Nikki says... Emily is no Fran Drescher and an awful nanny. Do you think the Carters found her on (laughs) sitter.com? And in her profile, she was like, I have five years experience with a super dope rich family and I'm down for illegal shit like kidnapping. (laughs) MJ the baby is also kind of a little jerk because he keeps allowing himself to be taken. But I guess, guess he can't nominate a baby for the bitch of the week. Or can you? Oh, babies are on. Oh, nobody's off limits. No one's okay, safe. Nikki? No one is safe. And I love uh, how she did include a link to sitter.com. Nice. Just in case, you know, you want to get your <laughs> uh, fake nannies to come in and do your dirty work for you. Yep. That's where you go. 
Eric says, I assume Emily was an undercover PI that only ghosts know about. <laughs> Touche. She's like the girl from Casper that Christina Ricci played, but grown up. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely that's what's going on. All right. So since I won with Caitlin, mm. I'm going to go first. Okay. My bitch of the week this week. We're going guest star again. <laughs> Ricky. <gasps> what? Ricky is my bitch. You're insane. 100%. Okay. Um, the way, just the way she talks about Billy and Jake, how they're just pieces <laughs> of meat. She's Does like, you have sex uh, with him? Did you bang him? You what a should. hot bod. Great bod. I want you. And just like, <laughs> we're going to have fun. And then all these random folks just like come into her, Sydney's apartment and like just start moving stuff in. Like we need to clear all that. And they're not just my friends because they're your friends. You know, we need some separation here. And then also the way she forces Sydney to like come to this like culty church. No one likes that person who's trying to like solicit like some bullshit to them like no one likes that friend of like oh yeah you should like read my book you should really sell like lulu row or whatever that shit is called yeah oh there's this energy drink um i'm having a tupperware party at my house and do you think you can bring like (laughs) five people with you yeah no one guys just just stop it with that you're being a a bitch to everyone (laughs) no one wants to go to Martin Colty Church. Don't force it on me. I, I'm sure he's a healer and a, and a great guy, but no, absolutely not. Being kind of a bitch. So there you have it. Ricky, definitely. Daniel, I don't know how in the world you couldn't nominate Peter. Oh, my gosh. He is the biggest bitch of them all. He's crazy. Okay, firstly, Caitlin is such a step down from Amanda. I don't think Amanda's the best person in the world, but I just feel like this pairing does not make sense to me. When Amanda and Peter got together, I was like, these guys are on the same, before it was like, welcome to the game. Do you want to play a game? How? What are the <laughs> rules of the game? Like, okay, they made sense together. So the fact that, number one, he is two-timing her, for what? He wants to gain control of D&D, and he actually, like, gets off on the fact that, like, I'm going to ruin her life. <laughs> Great, let's get her out and then take over her spot. That is a really bitchy thing to do, to have that kind of intent where you are really out to ruin somebody. And then on top of that, he's not out to just ruin her reputation or make sure that she'll never work in this town again. We actually see him trying to resort to actual murder, Mm. where... He has a grand plan, not only involving himself, but making Michael Mancini complicit in this little little act. And Caitlin, who knows how deep Caitlin knows that what he's into with Amanda. I mean, I wouldn't put it past him to be two-timing Amanda, not to be telling Caitlin the whole truth about what's going on with him and Amanda. So, I mean, he literally 
drugs her the entire episode, and then, I mean, injects her with some sort of agent that causes her to be in physical pain, and then he wants to operate on her for something that she doesn't even need to have an operation for in hopes that this will kill her. (laughs) I mean, I don't know. That is the most crazy, psychotic, insane shit ever. He is hands down the bitch of the week. Well, you guys can solve this for us. Who's it going to be? Peter or Ricky? Take to Twitter, take to Facebook, write in your answers and tell us why you voted that way. All right. Renaming this one. What do you got? Stoned face stoner. Cool. Mine's pulled the trigger. Okay. Predictions. What's going to happen? Okay. We're never going to acknowledge again that Joe had a baby. It's going to be filed under the same... Heading of, oh, did you know that Jake had a kid but signed his rights away, but we never talk about it again? I think that this is never revisited, and the next episode is going to be like, Hi, I'm Joe. I'm a cool, hip 20-something that takes photos of fashion shoots. And it's going to be like, that's it. (laughs) Uh, I think that Sydney gets in way too deep with the Martin peeps and becomes... Part of like a Ponzi scheme, like selling stuff and like duping people. Uh, I think now that Terry is out of the picture, Allison is going to want Billy back. But because Allison has continued to basically dog Billy, he's over her and doesn't want anything to do with her. So I think we're going to go back to her pining after him and then him chasing after other people. And I want to know what's going to happen to Peter. Like, we know he's a cast member for future episodes. How are you not put into jail for the rest of your life? Unless it's like, uh, now Peter's little part of Melrose Place taken from jail. Peter's now, like, running a gang in jail. (laughs) I don't know how he gets back and is able to work at a hospital again. I can't really predict how they're going to explain this away. I'm just really curious to see how they're going to do it. All right. Well, he still owns D&D. So he doesn't necessarily have to be a doctor. But how do you, how do you escape going to jail for attempted murder? Maybe Amanda doesn't press charges. Well, we'll see. What do you think, Dan? I think Sydney falls deep into Martinism. Jake and Joe get back together because they've both abandoned their children. <laughs> Amanda gets her job back. Peter isn't done playing the game. I think Terry calls Allison and blows his head off like like Keith. What? Yep. It only makes sense. And you know what? Maybe Caitlin's coming back too. She said, you're all going to be sorry that you messed with me one day. What if she comes back to exact revenge? I hope she does. Me too. Wow. Well, thank you all for listening this week. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram, at Melrose Pod. You can look us up. Email us, melrosepod at gmail.com. We're on Patreon if you feel so inclined to flip us a buck. 
patreon.com slash MelroosePod. And we got a review. We got a review. Thank you so much for leaving those. You can do those. Leave us reviews on Apple Podcasts. And Dan, I'm going to read you this one. Uh, The title is Hulu from user Mardeo. So good for MP Hulu bingers. More polls for us to vote on IG, please. Okay. I Will think do. We can work. Dan, you are our social media guru. Can you work that out? We'll do it. Thanks for listening, guys. We love smut. And we love you. Hey!